But Coco Talk, episode 52, the Easter edition, will be going live in three, two. Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS 80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer, with your host, Mr. Gameplay Goodness himself, Stevie Stroh. All right, everybody, and welcome to Happy Easter's Eve edition, edition of Coco Talk. And Simon, I think you brought the echo. But welcome to episode 52. Oh, crap. I forgot to update the graphic there. It still says 51 on the screen. How about we get rid of that? That's embarrassing. All right. We're going to go here so you can't see that. Completely forgot. Uh, welcome to episode 52 of Coco Talk. All right. James says, I'm not hearing anything. Is the sound coming through the live stream? Can anybody check? Sound coming through the live stream? No, I hear it. I hear it. I just popped. I just clicked on the mute button. Uh, the sound's coming through. Okay, Davy Mitchell's here. Hey, Davy. All right, so we're here. We're here for episode 52. So I guess now this makes a year or past a year that we've been doing this show that we call the Coco Talk. And we've got another great panel with us. So I'm just going to go around the room and say hi to everybody. I am going to start now with um, an order of celebrity, which I believe is the proper way we should do this since we do have a cast of celebrities here. So I'm going to start with the brightest star in the Coco universe, Sir David Ladd. Thank you for being here with us today, sir. How are you? Thank you, Steve. I'm glad to be here with everyone, and I'm excited. Coco Fest is like three weeks away, and I'm pumped up. <laughs> uh, no shortage of enthusiasm there, right? And the uh, second brightest star in uh, the hardware universe would be Richard Lorbieski of Boyce and Technologies. How are you today, Richard? Uh, doing great, but did you know in my writer, I specifically said I did not want to be next to David Ladd. So <laughs> <laughs> could you please move me over? <clears throat> wow. I was right under the red M&Ms only, right? Yes, uh, exactly. <laughs> I will have to have the promotion department get back to your people. Somebody's having a seizure up there in the corner. It looks like Coco Man is. Um, we also have with us um, the guy who optimized the MC10 basic ROM just to make Steve Bjork happy. James Diffendaffer is with us today. Hello, everyone. Uh, from O Canada, uh, creator of the Coco Games List website, co-creator of Nitrous 9. And just damn good-looking guy. We've got L. Curtis Boyle with us. Hello, Curtis. Good-looking where? <laughs> and Hi, everyone. For, for those of you who missed the bonus episode, we got to see Curtis's mullet. And what can I tell you? It was 
It was. Uh, it, it was, was marvelous. A, yes. It was the nineties. <laughs> Some things can never be unseen. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, back after a while, Steve Batson, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. Glad to be here. Too many too many busy weekends. I hear you. I hear you. And also, from all the way from Denmark, we have the madman, Simon Jonasson. Thanks for being here, Simon. Yeah, no worries. Yay, Simon. Hey, Simon. Uh, right. As seen at PenFest 99 and PenFest 2000, Jason the Coco Man is with us. Hey, everybody. Hey. Uh, that guy who made Zaxxon is here, Steve Bjork. <laughs> hey, everybody. That's about the only claim of fame these days. <laughs> From, Ron's... <laughs> From Ron's garage, we have Ron Delvaux. How you doing? Hey, found somebody named Coco Delvaux. Coco Delvaux. Oh, wow. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, get him on the so show. So if you and the Coco had offspring, that's who it would be? <laughs> yeah. It would. Coco Devil. I, I'm not sure that they, he's not already having an offspring. He keeps new new Cocos pop up in his garage all the time. So. <laughs> From down under the thunder, we have Nick Morentes. How are you today, Nick? Good night, everyone. And we have that Apple guy. Mark O is here. Mark Overholzer. Hey there. Glad to be here. Glad you let me come back every week. We do. We do. We don't hold that against you. And last but certainly not least, the propeller head himself, Mr. Grant Leedy, is here. Hello, everybody. So Hello. we're here. We're here in another another week of live Coco Talk in the live chat. We have multiple personalities. We have Paco Atakte and Drencore in the live chat. Davey Mitchell is here. David Ladd's in the live chat. That's his third personality. Mark Overholzer, Disney Saints fan. One of our patrons is here. Hello, Disney Saints fan. Bill Noble, James Jones, Davey Mitchell, Steve Bjork, Bill Noble. Hello, everybody in the live chat. 17 people watching us live right now. We're delighted to have you here. It's another week. Last week, we had the shortest episode in the history of um, Coco Talk, just about. Uh, it was a good episode. I finally just published that as a podcast this morning, running a little bit behind this week. So that's now available for your listening pleasure. And now we're going to move on to the segment of the show that we call Project Updates and Acquisitions. And I believe there are a number of those updates. And so uh, who would like to go first on show and tell right now? I bought something Radio Shack. Oh, yeah? Yeah. When you got? At Goodwill. <laughs> wow. High density <laughs> discs. Look at that, yeah. Ron. Radio Shack. Look at that. Look at that. I bet you they still work, too, huh? I'll bet you. Yep. Not only that, but I also bought a um, modern-day calculator. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody know what this is? That's yeah. the one that doesn't have the divide bug like the Pentium, right? That's the, Moro that's the Motorola 6800, right? This is the precursor <laughs> to the uh, MC-10. <laughs> that's okay james can fix it james <laughs> to set that carry bit james will optimize it for you look at that that is awesome so so radio shack products can still be found if you know where to look and if anybody's right. going to find them it's going to be ron delbo going to be ron delbo uh-huh um simon i do have queued up um, uh, your latest clip. Look at that. A floppy organizer, too. That looks good, huh? That's a double wide. Yeah. 
Nice. That's a double wide. Uh, I do have the latest video of your uh, thing too, Simon, where you're running on a real floppy, playing the music and loading a picture of my girlfriend up on there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you so, wish. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Curtis and David, you want to give us a um, Coco VGA update? Sure. Go for it. So we finally uh, got the testing done and went back and forth and, and fixed the bugs. There were some other bugs we had to fix too, um, unrelated to the Coco VJ specifically. So there's an updated 32-column um, driver for the regular Coco 1, 2, 3 TDP running OS9 Level 1. Uh, the 64-column mode in the Coco VJ now works properly. There's some optimizations to screen scrolling and screen clearing and clearing lines too. Uh, we actually got Ron Klein, who's helping out a lot of the beta testing, do some speed tests. And um, the 6809 version is now faster than the original 6309 version mm -hmm. was. And the 6309 version is more than twice as fast as the original. Wow. So some pretty nice speed ups in there. But anyway, they're all in the repository, thanks to David. <clears throat> so if anybody's running a Coco 1, 2, TDP 100, Dragon, 3264, whatever, that uh, runs Nitrostein Level 1, there's some updates for you. And there you go. And that's almost sounding like... <laughs> oh, no, it has nothing to do with that. Still right. better to install it, but no, I'm just but, <laughs> So Coco VGA support now officially supported by level one. Because yeah. level two, you got a Coco 3. Coco 3's already got the modes and doesn't support the Coco VGA anyway. So cool. Very cool. Now, when we combine that with something like the Coco Mem Junior in the very near future with more memory and MMU capability, level one's going to be like a whole new animal, right? Actually, the, the Moo and the Coco Junior use level 2 made for the Coco 1 hardware. So now you would have 64-column lowercase mode mm. added. And, and later on, we should be able to add in the 128 by 96 16 color mode and palette settings and all kinds of stuff. So it'll become cool. more like level 2 on the Coco 3. Okay. That's cool. So it's basically level 1.5. Yeah. Level 1.5. Now, Coco Man is here. Uh, Coco Man and I both received uh, something in the mail today, actually. I'm going to hold mine up for the world to see. Um, and and I'm, I have to say, too, this is American labor, okay? So nothing against ch uh, cheap Canadian labor. But, you know, when we can put Americans to work and when American jobs are not taken up by foreigners, that's always a good thing. So what we are looking at here is... Um, a, it looks like a DB9 on one side and a doohick. So is this a uh, serial to... Uh, <laughs> serial to joystick adapter. Serial to joystick adapter. Uh, this is Richard Lorbieski's. Do we have a name for this, Richard? Uh, right now I'm just calling it the Coco slash dash Atari dash uh, Sega Game uh, Master uh, adapter. Because it okay. works with any uh, any DB9 type uh, Atari adapter or Sega Genesis uh, gamepad. Okay, and that plugs into a Coco, uh, Coco R232 or joystick port. Uh, it plugs into I'm sorry, it plugs into the joystick port. It's compatible with uh, the Coco One, Two, or Three. Mm -hmm. Right. So this is a, a single. And what's what's great about this because I also have the. Um, the John Linville, Neil Blanchard box. And so this is a real streamline, right? This is really, the, this is just the cable. And and, um, and actually what I'll do is I will pull up 
uh, one of your pictures from Facebook. If yeah, I the electronics is built right into that DB9 yes. uh, connector. The, the electronics to, that convert, the circuit that converts the uh, Atari joystick to the Coco joystick, it's built into the shroud of this. So it's literally just just an inline cable, and it's very short, so you can plug your um, thing in. What I have plugged into mine is I've got a, um, a, a Wyco controller for the old Atari systems. I've got that plugged in. I've got Popstar Pilot queued up. Um, I don't know if Jason has got, um, if Jason is able to show off his, looks like Jason's camera is having a seizure. I am, <laughs> Skype hates me today. I cannot send any <laughs> video via Skype. It's all I get is that flickering nonsense. I have no idea what's going on. No camera, no video, no nothing at the moment. I'm working on it. Time to reboot. Would this reboot work with a, would this work with a dragon too? If you modified the DIN plug? Yes. You have to remove the pin six, which is the, that center inside uh, plug or uh, okay. connector and gotcha. it should work. Excellent. So what I'll show you guys here real quick nice. is I'll go ahead and try to play Popstar Pilot with you a white Now Steve controller. can get past level two with this. This is a miracle worker thing and everybody should buy it. Yeah, right. He won't get past number, number one. Hey, Nick, any words of advice for Stevie here? <laughs> Read the manual. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, lost Stevie's done that. Now yeah, the other thing is uh, on on my joystick adapter, both uh, both firing buttons are supported. So the fire one and fire two button uh, do work, and they do work on Popstar Pilot. I tried using. I have a I have a joystick I bought that's the um, the NES Advantage that was modified to work on the ColecoVision. Mm -hmm. I tried using that, and um, it had some weird issue where um, uh. had some weird issue where the buttons just kept firing. So I have a feeling it has something to do with the signaling in that joystick because I plugged the Wyco in, and the Wyco is fine. So I've never tried using that joystick on anything other than the ColecoVision before. Was it supposed to have a rapid firing circuit on the ColecoVision? Um, <coughs> the ColecoVision did not, but actually that NES Advantage originally did. There was like a turbo button. That you could, you could enable rapid fire and then turn a dial to adjust the speed of it and stuff. But all that stuff was supposed to be disabled for the um, thing. But yeah, no, the uh, joystick control is fine. This is great. So I can move, I can steer, all that stuff. Um, Just not win. <laughs> now listen, I can't blame Richard for that. Now, there are okay. some games that it won't work on. These are games that depend on uh, voltage levels, you know, like uh, for... for uh, like Double Polaris. Polaris uh, well, the 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 Arkanoid. Uh, yeah, yeah Arkanoid. The patched version of Double Back does work for the Coco Three. Uh, I've tested that, but the but things like the the Double Back un un uh, unmodified will not work. It'll just jump all over the screen. And that is because it's it's trying to read voltage levels instead of uh, what what this does is just it just senses which way the voltage is going and then just makes the adjustment accordingly. Basically, it's a digital joystick opposed to an analog joystick. Correct. Yeah, it it converts a, a digital joystick uh, converts that into an analog signal uh, so it can be read by the program. Look at this. I'm going to clear level one. That's a good sign. Yeah, Somebody's have to get might Stevie a made. cake. Get him a cake. Okay, let's get, get the flag. The, uh, get yes. the flag. All right. So there we have it, folks. I cleared level one. That is Keep a dying. testament. 
Oh, you want me to actually play the whole game now? Yeah, now we gotta see if you can actually make it to level three. That would be a momentous occasion. And we'd have Ruko never made it to level three either, in case of OS9, but still. Oh, actually, there was. Alan did a level three. I ran out of fuel. All right. You're not supposed to land. The screen was flashing on me. All right. Well, there we have it, guys. That is um, that is the joystick adapter. Jim Gary has joined us. Hey, Jim, how are you? Uh, cool stuff. And what are these selling for, Richard? Uh, they will be available at Cocoa Fest. That's where I'm going to first sell them. And they are going to be $20 a pair. And I also have a mailing list. If you mail me at richard at com, if you haven't already done so, uh, I'll put you on the list. And uh, as soon as Cocoa Fest is over, I will send you the cables out. What about uh, so the website? There's the picture that somebody's holding up right now. I guess that's Ron Delvo doing that. Uh, yeah. Boyce and Tech, B-O-Y-S-O-N-T-E. So, um, but is this? Can people see it on your website yet? Not yet. I, you know, uh, my con, you know, you know how my website is. It's yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But you can see it on Facebook. Uh, right now, you can now. see it I on just... Facebook. And, and listen, he, it, while he may not have added content to his website, he has produced and shipped a product. Winners ship, Steve Jobs. Yes. Right. So right. there we go. Hey, so. Richard. We'll talk about your website at the Coco Fest. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll help you. Okay. Cool. Does the uh, MC10 have joystick ports? No, it does not. Nope. Ah, although although um, Ed Snyder released an updated version of his um, MCX128, where he added a sound chip and two Atari joystick ports to it. So no, I just I just thought yeah I just thought you could use the adapter on the MC10 as well but obviously not. Yeah. Now, now this so adapter may work on some of the uh Coco emulators and uh, cuz I know like on the who's a Gary Becker has an analog port. I I haven't tried it on that one and it's possible that it is compatible and uh, again I haven't tested on the Tandy 1000 the older generation ones but they should work. What about uh Dragon uh, the dragon as that also. Okay. It should work in Roger Taylor's because his has been tested with Tandy joysticks, I think. So. Okay. And it should work on the uh, Coco Three FPGA as well. Right. I have I have one uh, running on it. Yeah, that was uh, what was it Gary Becker? Yeah, Gary Becker's. Right. Yeah. yeah. It should work. Well, the adapter works and. Um, it goes in line between a uh, Atari-style joystick. And when we say Atari, it could be an, uh, an official Atari joystick, something made for the Atari, like a Wyco or third-party joystick. Also, anything that would work on a Sega Master System or Sega Genesis would also work because all of them shared that same DB9 pinout. And um, uh, you can read up to two buttons on this. So if you have a Sega... Uh, system that supports three or more buttons, you'll be able to read two of those buttons on a Coco 3 or Tandy 1000, right? Coco 1 would only read one button. Correct, yeah, it's the B and C button. Right. And any of the Commodore um, joysticks would too, will work rather. Ah. 64 joysticks. 64 or Amiga, yeah. Yeah, right. Now, uh, let me get this straight. You're selling two of those cables for $20? Yes, Okay, uh, let me let me get this straight too. As you sell each of these sets, you're losing twenty bucks, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they're too cheap. 
He's okay. making it up in volume, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's way too cheap, you're getting. See, $20 a cable, I thought that was a good price. But two cables for 20 Uh, uh you're too low. Okay. Maybe that's your show special. Yeah, it actually it is going to, I'm, I'm going to actually raise the price after Coco Fest and after the uh, first wave. But uh, yeah, it'll go up in price. So you're going to infuse the market and generate some buzz and then, um, and then compensate. So if um, you run out of product at the show, will you honor that price that people pay then? You of course. Live? Oh, yeah, Excellent. definitely. Okay. All right, I need a couple hundred, please. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can put them on eBay for 50, 60 bucks each. That's what I was thinking. Okay. Yeah. Simon. Okay, you, got, you guys heard it now. If you want to make money, buy the cables now and then sell them when the price goes up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Bitcoin. Uh, <laughs> Simon, is it okay if we show off your floppy, your real floppy demo? Yeah, you can do that if you want. It's not finished, but uh, it's a work in progress. So. All right. Well, we're going to show that off right now. We're going to show off Simon's demo. It's actually part of it's actually part of the uh, Coco Free Mega demo. I needed to make a loader where I didn't cut the music out. So this is uh, coming off of a real floppy right now. Yeah, the slight stutter is when it's changing track. I like the track too, it's catchy. Uh, well, that's a, a tiny bit of the track. It's a four and a half minute track. So, yeah, it's, uh, that's a standard FD501. Yeah. loading fast fast but uh, it's right. loading when it's playing music and that's my right. main objective right so right right it, right they said it could never be done so that's a pretty right. um <laughs> mr robot shop is asking where do we get the joystick adapters and uh you want to repeat that richard for somebody who's interested in getting one of these fine quality products oh okay oh so who's doing that right now who's making the music Is that still coming from mine? Hold on. Yeah, I think it is. Oh, that's coming from me. Sorry about that. I was like really Yeah, confused. you're making the... Yeah, yeah making the noise. Uh, all right, sorry about that, Richard. So you oh. want to re remind Mr. Robot Shop where he can get one of these fine quality cables? Oh, yes. You can get them at uh, CocoFest. I will have them available. $20 a pair. It's going to be a limited time. And also, if you want to get on a the waiting list, because after CocoFest, I will be shipping them out. And uh, you can send me email at richard at boysontech.com. That's B-O-Y-S-O-N-T-E-C.com. T-E-C or T-E-C-H? T-E-C-H. I'm sorry. T-E-C-H. Okay. And just to clarify, it will work on the Dragon by clipping the six pin, right? Right. The, the middle six pin, you can clip that out. But in the future, I will have uh, ones available for the Dragon exclusively. Okay. 
What does the sixth pin do on a dragon? Is it just a fire button or something? Right, it's the second fire button, but the dragon doesn't have that sixth uh, connector uh, inside, so it, it won't fit in there. Mm, right. It's got only a five-pin female? Yeah, dragon? it's a five-pin, 240-degree. Very cool. So did we cover all of the um, project updates at this point? Did anybody else have anything they wanted to update us on, what they're working on right now? Um, well, I'm just working on my uh, game music uh, composer program. Uh, just been working a bit more on that. Still not finished, but I can just show a screenshot if you want. Sure. Please do. Uh, okay. I'll just bring that up. Uh, coming. Share window. It's not coming up. Well, then basically... Well, if you, has anyone else got something while I work out what the hell's wrong with this PC? <laughs> uh, I can, uh, I can. Um, I will show. How about if I show the the banner for the ease of use? There you go. Please yeah, go. do that first. It'll take two seconds, but I'll show sure. my screen here real quick. Or we can just look over your shoulder. Well, oh, I thought I'd give you the good picture first. So, <laughs> <laughs> look at that ease of use project. That's a nice close up of the Coco Nitros Nine. Spanning the globe. Yeah, and thanks it was, to Ron uh, Delvo for designing that. I was going to say it was Ron who did it. Thank you, Ron. And then also uh, Steve York also put the uh, a banner on the Glenside uh, website as well too. Hmm. Oh, cool. cool. Thanks, Steve. I haven't had a chance to check Lex, check Glenside lately. So. Yeah, I had to. Well, the banner is really wide, and the icon areas are basically square. So I had to do a little work on it. You couldn't read ease of use. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I didn't say ease of legibility, so, yeah. <laughs> so just to let you, everybody know, if you do want to get a banner, um, I got, got it from Vistaprints. Uh, they were very quick. I think we ordered it on Monday, didn't we, Curtis? Yeah, and you had it in less than a week. I got it today. So, yeah, it was uh, about five business days after we pushed the uh, button to order it. So uh, they're very easy to do once you uh, figure out how to do the layout. And um, I think we spent $38 for the banner and then plus shipping and handling. And we also got the uh, metal uh uh, hangers to uh, up here for seven dollars, so well worth it. If you guys are looking to do a banner for Coco Fest, what's it made out of? Plastic or? Uh, no, it's not. I've got, well, I guess it is like a heavy. Is a it vinyl? Vinyl. Yeah, vinyl. Yeah, it's not paper. No, no, definitely not. Well, I can share something too while we're waiting on Nick too. Uh, the project I'm working on now is almost done. So what I am going to bring to Coco Fest is a Best of Coco <coughs> Talk DVD. So here is just a printout of, of what the cover is going to look like, right? And it's going to have to be redesigned now a little bit, but this would be like what the DVD cover would look like if you folded it in half, right? So you got your front of your DVD, your back of your DVD, right? So this was just kind of me seeing how the design looked. I wanted to make sure that the uh, text was legible against the colored background. Um, and uh, so what we have is we have um, we have two best of episodes that Brian Joyce has created for us. And those are already available. You could watch them on YouTube for free. But what we did yesterday, this on Sunday, was we recorded a two and a half hour bonus episode uh, that is going to be exclusive to the DVD as well as to uh, people on uh, Patreon. So if you're a patron of the show, you'll get to watch that exclusive episode. But I figured I would show you kind of what the DVD is going to look like right now. So this is, I'm going to go ahead and hit DVD. 
And when it comes up, will it come up? Do I have to hit play here? There you go. So when you first pop in the DVD, you get this little opening screen here. This is Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. With your host, Mr. Gameplay Goodness himself, Stevie Strout. That was our old intro before Bruce Moore came in. All right, and then here's the menu. And so the menu has got, you know, our bonus episode, Best of Volume 1, Best of Volume 2. And, um, and then, of course, then you would just play these. All right, now how do I stop this? All right, so I'm just going to stop that. All right, so so that's what they have a nice little animated menu where you hear the Coco Talk theme music playing in the background. Now here was the challenge uh, when I first produced that DVD to get the best of episode, which was two and a half hours. Our, our our exclusive episode was like two and a half hours, and the two best of episodes it became like five and a half hours worth of content. I was barely able to squeeze that content into a dual layer, you know, nine gigabyte. Um, DVD. And the problem is is that the the company I use to produce DVDs, they don't produce dual layer. They only produce single layer DVDs. So what I had to end up do is I had to take that exclusive episode, chop that in half. So I've got part 1 and part 2 of our exclusive episode. And so there's going to be a volume 1 and volume 2 DVD. So volume 1 will contain the first half of that exclusive episode and volume 1 of the best of Coco Talk and then volume 2 will contain the second half of that exclusive episode and volume two of the best of Coco Talk. So wasn't exactly what I would have hoped for, but with the way technology works, that was the only way that I could actually do it. So I will have limited supply of those available at Coco Fest if somebody wants to pick them up in, in person. They'll be available on the swag shop too once they're done at our 8bit256.com swag shop. But what I also thought we were going to do, which hoping everybody agrees to this. Um, because most of us on Coco Talk are going to be at Coco Fest, I want to get a number of these where we can get the entire show panels to autograph the package. So we'll have a handful of autographed copies of these. I want to give one away to the auction. So it'll be an auction item for Glenside. And then I want to have some other ones. There's one I want to keep for myself. I don't know if you guys want to get autographs of everybody else for yourself too, but uh, I want to have uh, one that we can also then later on, later give as a prize to people who watch the show. So maybe the week after Coco Fest, we'll have some type of trivia contest, and whoever wins the contest, I will mail you copies of the autographed versions of the best of things. So I think it's just a, a cool thing. So that's my project up there. There's Jason. Jason got his camera working. Uh, there's Jason's joystick adapter. Yep, right here. Looking good. Looking yep, good. Got it here. I have yeah. a project update too when you get to me. All right, go ahead. You have the floor, sir. Okay. Um, there's been a lot of talk about uh, HDMI, uh, you know, HDMI SCART converters. And uh, I finally have a finished product now of the uh, HDMI uh, SCART converter cable. I'm calling it the switcheroo just because it has a switch on it. You can switch between the uh, composite and rgb modes at a flip of a switch look at that and i'll have i'll have these at coco fest very nice now did you have any canadians help you with this labor 
Not that I'm aware of. Okay. So. <laughs> Who does your warranty work? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to use the same guy you use. <laughs> okay. Mr. Jim Breen. All right. Well, we are a half hour into the show, so we've gotten through panel introductions. We've gotten through project updates. We're going to take a quick... Um, I'm going to mention our sponsors. I'm then going to take a commercial break, and then we'll come back. We do have a why did Tandy do that this week. Um, do we have a question of the week, Grant? I don't recall if you mentioned if you had one or not. Yeah, I do. Okay, so Grant has a question of the week. I don't know if Ron Delvaux, besides showing off uh, Facebook... Uh, I don't know if Ron had anything else he wanted to talk about today. We'll find out. All right. So how about this? A quick, a quick thank you to our sponsors and uh, friends of the show. So, of course, uh, your friend and mine, uh, Brendan Donahue, is creating the Coco VGA project, which is a very cool way to get not only clean and pretty output from a Coco 1 or 2, or um, soon Dragons, hopefully, too, but uh, it now has support thanks to a few other people with uh, Nitrous 9 Level 1. So if you need Coco VGA output, go to CocoVGA.com. We now have a product. We have a product that is called the uh, Coco to Atari slash Sega joystick adapter from BoysonTech.com. So you can email Richard at BoysonTech um, to get on the list to order these new joystick adapters. They will also be available to pick up in person at CocoFest. We cannot forget our warranty exchange and return service at uh, Retro Innovations, makers of fine quality retro products for various systems from the Commodore to the TI to the Coco. So you can go to go4retro.com or store.go4retro.com. If you like to color computer like we like to color computer, then visit imacoconut.com for all of your color computer needs. Uh, let's not forget the show you're watching is called Coco Talk. So if you want to know more about Coco Talk, you can visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. If you'd like to send us email feedback and suggestions, etc., you can email the show at cocotalk at cocotalk.live. And if you got to get some um, some swag going, some Coco Retro swag, you can visit that at the Retro Swag Shop at 8bit256.com. Matter of fact, I believe there's free shipping this weekend. If you use promo code FS18, FS for free shipping and the number 18 for the year, I believe it is free shipping this weekend only. In Jesus' name, amen, because Jesus did not believe in paying for shipping. So um, there, I'm going to hell again. So... <laughs> <laughs> So again, yes. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna run a we're, we're gonna run a commercial, and we'll be right back, people. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Noble, co-author of Nitrous Nine. You are listening to Coco Talk Live, the leading live Coco Talk show. Where can you catch all the latest news and information about the Tandy Color Computer and Compatibles? Oh yeah. I'm talking about the Coco Crew Podcast. Dig it each month. Join John, Neil, and Mike as they lay down the latest news and information about the Radio Shack Tandy Color Computer and Compatibles. Groove to interview. Tech segments and discussions all about the Radio Shack Tandy Color Computer. 
Slot your fine self over to www.cococrew.org and start listening today. The Coco Crew Podcast. Keeping it Coco. Gotta love the Coco Crew and those Myro productions, huh? My fellow Americans. All this is my favorite commercial. Not mine. If I keep this going long enough, I can get the rap song going for Richard. He loves that. Where you can get yourself a coffee mug like this with a little cute cartoon character that says, That's right. Free shipping this weekend. You could also get promo code FS18. With a color computer 3 that says, I'm a cocoa nut. You could get yourself a deluxe travel mug like this with the coco talk logo on it you might even be able to get yourself a dvd like this with over two hours of gameplay goodness it is time for us to rise up and make the world great again by enjoying some quality retro merchandise and coco nostalgia so please visit 8bit256.com and let's make the world great for the color computer thank you very much all right well we are back we're back with the show and I'm just going to turn off that bug right now because I screwed up and didn't um, didn't update that. And I, I did realize I missed somebody in a live chat, but uh, Terry Steen is with us now too, our 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 good friend, uh, creator of Balloon Fire and many other cool things for the Coco and other systems. And if you want to join us on Skype, Terry, feel free to jump in. Um, <laughs> Davy Mitchell says the irony is that uh, the dragon has less fire buttons than the Coco. Well, the original Coco only only had one fire button too. Yeah, they did use a six-pin DIN connector as a female, if I remember correctly, so you could plug a six, like the dual-button ones into it. It just wouldn't work. Oh, yes, okay. Yes, correct. I see, said the blind man. Cool Sounds stuff. like a hardware project. Sounds yeah, like also, a hardware project. Uh, yeah, I, I also wanted to add uh, on this uh, Atari joystick adapter, uh, Jim Brain was... Uh, a lot of this came from our Discord chat late night discord chat and i had the concept and idea and uh while we're talking jim actually came up with the board layout within an hour and that's how it you know without jim's help uh this probably wouldn't have been possible or it would have been months before i really got got this thing off the ground and that's why he's so prepared for returns because he helped design it yes (laughs) but yeah he's he's an awesome guy i just i just wanted to mention that Jim Brain at Retro Innovations. Yeah, and honestly, that that gets into what what Steve Bjork mentions at the end of every show every week is that, hey, we're hanging out on Discord, right? And I believe the link to Discord is now in the description to this video. I think I've actually updated that description. Let me scroll through here and verify that. Son of a bitch. Why is this freaking thing not scrolling for me? Screw you, YouTube. All right. Yeah, there is one in there. Oh, is it in there? All right. Yep. So email suggestions. Join us for for daily conversations on Discord. Yeah. So in the description to this video, the um, uh, Discord server is in there. And so Discord is kind of like a combination of Skype and IRC. So we've got text conversations going on. We are on the we're on the calls nightly, just shooting the breeze, and a lot of collaborations taking place. Um, and that's something that we talked about in our in our bonus episode. And so um, uh, I might as well just do a quick quick review of that so actually the bonus episode is available for viewing if you are a patron and so that bonus episode is uh two and a half hours 
And as far as our stats right now, this was interesting. We reached 5666 on the eve of Easter. So I thought that was pretty cool. I took a picture of that and I put it uh, put it on our Facebook page too. So, and and how did we do last week? Last week's show, the shortest episode ever, has gotten 109 views from last week. And, and that one, the podcast version of that did not get published until today. I usually try to publish the podcast by Friday. It was a little bit behind this week, so maybe some more of our podcast listens will increase by then. The St. Patrick's Day edition got 173 views, uh, and then uh, episode 49, Serial Talk, got 165 views. Temple of Rom Top, 165. Brazilian Clones and Jim Gary and Apple Talk got 228 views. That's still probably one of the most um, viewed shows of recent, so... Um, good stuff, good stuff, and uh, there you have it. So, what else are we going to talk about now? Um, I've got my um, game music composer ready to just show off. There you go. Fire away, uh, Nick. Okay. Um, so, am I, am I sharing that screen to everyone? You yes. are sharing. All right. Well, uh, the game music composer is just a... A uh, basic program I'm putting together for authoring music for my next game. So it's uh, a very simple program which uh, uses a what they call a uh, piano roll display, whereby you place your notes on the bars in the position where you would normally play it on a keyboard. Hence, there's a p picture of a keyboard on the left. And you just put your notes out, and uh, that's how you you create your music. You've got various controls. You can vary the amplitude. Uh, you can give uh, an attack, sustain, and release to every uh, tone. You've got um, you can vary the tempo, and there's a sequencer in the bottom right there for where you set the sequence of all the the music. The idea is you create little patterns. And then you sequence the patterns to make the entire song. So that's that's my pro my project at the moment. Uh, it's just written in BASIC. Uh, it's a tool <coughs> tool for create for creating music for my games in the future. My plan is to bundle it with the next game so that everyone can use the program if they find it useful. That's, which that's which it. hardware are you targeting? Which sound sound hardware? Well, the Coco Three, just just the raw oh. Coco Three, no Rock hardware. Just the dash. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's just a software software player, so it doesn't use any of the sound chips. And um, the the idea is that it'll run on every color computer, every color computer three, I should say. Um, and of course, not being a sound chip means it's going to be restricted to um, playing it. Um, say not during the game uh, you can't play the game and play the music at the same time you this will be good for a title music or um, any other intermission type music so but you know later on i may support a sound chip as well but i do want the basic um the main game the base game to at least be available for all color computer three users you you shouldn't need to go out and buy a piece of hardware just to hear the music so you'll hear some music and maybe then i'll offer a uh, option for support of any sound cards um later on and that 
That's it. Any other questions? Can you play something for us right now so we can actually hear no, what not it's yet. Saying? No, I have got. I've, I have written the machine language subroutine, but because this whole thing is, uh, um, I'm sort of. It's a learning experience for me because I've never done music before in any any of my games. So I really have started from from zero as far as creating music in games. And I have written the machine language music routine, but over the course of time, I've come up with other ideas. I've changed this, changed that. This latest incarnation has um, some changes made from um, some feedback from Alan Huffman last last week regarding how the sequencer sh um, could work, which I've started doing. It's always changing. So although the machine code routine is in there, the music program, the composer, this composer program has been changing. So I've decided I'll finish the composer, at least if it creates all the, the music um, notation in memory, then once I've finally decided what that format will finally be, then I'll alter my old machine code program to, to suit. At the moment, it won't play anything because it's changed so much. But... Mm -hmm. Watch this space. Now, I don't know if it's going to be as good as Simon's music player, of course. Um, but, uh, well, well, as I said, I'm, I'm only new to music, so mm -hmm. this is a, a learning curve for me as well. Sure, sure. Yeah, uh, well, mine's not actually good, good. Uh, mine's not just designed to be fast. I mean, yes, yeah. Yours, yours you may be, depending on the game, you may be able to have it playing during the game, uh, but mine mine couldn't. Mine um, is is much slower. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've got what have I got at the moment for actually for two voices? Uh, the actual note routine is around about forty cycles, so it's less than a scan line. Right. Yeah. So that's much quicker. My, uh, my one it supports four voices, so you have a four voice um, yeah. playback. And you've got um, full. I can see you've got um, some kind of envelope as well. Yeah, there's an envelope control as well on all that, and so yeah. all that is extra processing. So there's there's no way I can do that as fast as yours. So this is strictly just for playing at a title screen or an intermission screen. Yeah. Uh, so what are you? Um, I can see you've got like attack, decay, sustain, release. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking F is probably decay, right? Uh, no, it's it's. I've uh, I've omitted the decay. It's attack, sustain, and release. Yeah. F is for fixed. So if you don't want to have the um, the envelope, you can just have a fixed volume. Okay. Um, right. But you can vary that volume. Then you can you can vary the amplitude. Of yeah. that fixed volume, that's all. So you choose between what, what, one of two modes. So are you are you um, using various waveforms? No, no. This one's only square waves. Only square. It's waves. only square waves, so it's a very sort of simple sound. The mm -hmm. overtone option down the bottom allows you to uh, it's uh, it, it'll play the two square waves offset a little bit, so it'll get a yeah. bit of a better sound. Yeah, your face, uh, you're playing with phases and you're playing with yeah. duty cycles. Yeah, harmonics, just playing with a few. If you sacrifice two or more, I don't know yet, but at the moment if you sacrifice, if you utilise two channels 
to create that overtone or that harmonic tone, then you get something that's a little bit better than just the raw square waves. So yeah. that's the idea of that, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, it's a very simple um, music program. Uh, I just wanted a tool whereby I can easily compose my own tunes uh, and sequence them all up for adding to my games in the future. So the idea was to compose my own rather than, you know, rip off someone else's tune. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, we use, uh, for, for my demo music, we just use uh, Open MPT. Yeah, so you can compose with that. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's basically just a, 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 an Amiga-style tracker, Open MPT, and you can just save yeah. it as an XM module. And then export, yeah. And, and I and just that, got a version routine that will spit out FCBs from, yeah, a, yeah. from an XM module. Well, you know me, I, I like to do things the hard way. So. <laughs> uh, there's, well, there, there's a suggestion there. Yeah but, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's good. It's a good, uh, it's a good learn. I mean, you, you learn a lot doing it. Well, that's the thing. That, as I said, it's a learning curve. If I just um, um, exported from another program, I wouldn't learn how the whole thing works. Whereas this way, mm -hmm. I am learning the entire process. So yeah. hence, uh, there, there is some method to, the, to my madness, I guess. Sure. Not sure. to take the madness title away from you, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anyone's going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> it requires a new hairstyle at the very least. <laughs> very cool stuff. Cool stuff. Well, yeah, thanks for sharing. No problem. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm actually in the middle of of doing um, a mega demo for an international um, demo party. So we're going to release a Coco Free demo uh, um, that, that, because uh, there are not a lot of Coco Frees about in Europe. Um, no, people have not seen this machine, so we're just going to like present. C sixty four style Amiga style stuff, you know, totally wacky stuff that nobody's ever seen at some international competition like um, Revision or something like that. Was the Coco three officially sold in Europe or just certain countries, or why was uh, it so unpopular compared to the North America and Australia? I don't know. Um, it was never imported to the UK. I know that much, uh, and I know my Coco three, um, which I got from Fedor um, <clears throat> is actually a US import uh, Fedor got it from a Dutch guy um, it's a US import where someone's put in a different transformer so it's 220 volt instead of uh, 110 um, so I, I, I don't know really if, if there ever was a European Coco 3 as such I know Fedor's recent Coco 3 is uh, Australian. Because, again, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, uh, you've got 220 volts and 50 hertz, right? Yes. Yeah, so that would, and you've got PAL. So that Pal. would potentially just be the same as, as a, a European Coco 3. Yeah. Yeah. I do know for a fact that they did produce PAL Coco 3s, not that many, but there was some. Yeah, it's got a daughter board for the power, isn't it? Right. Yeah, yeah. underneath the main motherboard, if I remember. Yeah. And we and we get real composite video that matches the RGB output, which is a big plus. 
Mm -hmm. So in other words, your composite out is actually just uh, the same as RGB. The same. That's as right. It's point. derived. It's derived from the RGB signal, so it's the same colours. Yeah. You don't have a composite. So you multicolor do, weird. You couldn't do a. You couldn't do a a. Um, Artifact, no. No, you couldn't do a composite phase shift, or you couldn't do a 16 grayscale using the monochrome on the composite, could you? Uh, I, I don't know. I've never, never tried that. And you can actually get 16. I mean, if you if you just use the the um, monochrome at a bit on the on the GAIM chip um, on the composite output, you can get 16 16 shades of grey. If it's only restricted to the composite, uh, no. Um, I've never used that bit, actually. Um, I thought it worked for RGB as well. No, it's, it's composite. It's, oh. the same, it's the same deal with the phase as well. Okay. Well, Basically, it, all it does is turn on and off the um, uh, chroma burst. All right. Okay. Yeah, well, then, no, it won't. Yeah, so you're just going to get like black and white, uh, black and white. It's going to be sixteen. It's going to be sixteen grey tones, isn't it? Because it's just turning off the colour signal, basically. That would be interesting to see some art. I know Ed Snyder did something recently with the Coco VGA that does that. It would be kind of cool to see some grayscale art, since we didn't really have <laughs> a lot of grey even on the Coco Three. You only had sixty-four colours max, but there wasn't like sixteen shades of any one colour. No, I mean, you've only got, I mean, if, you, if you're looking at grey, you've only actually got two greys and a white, haven't you? Yeah, I don't even remember, but yeah, not that many. Yeah, yeah black, dark grey, light grey, and white. Hey, yeah. is, did Brian the Music Man just join us? You got it. Hey, welcome, Brian. Hey. History has been made. I think this is the first time <laughs> you've been on our show, but the Music Man is here. <laughs> Well, let's talk about music with Nick, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you, Brian. And I don't know if I don't know if you're up for it, but if you want to give people a little mini <laughs> life story on how long you've been involved with the Coco and Coco events like Rainbow Fest and Pen Fest and Coco Fest, you're you're welcome to share your story. And if you don't want to do it now, you don't have to. <laughs> uh, I think Curtis and. Uh, a few others out there know how long I've been doing this. Yeah, well, we got we have people around the world watching us right 90s? now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Since the nineties, were you at any of the Pen Fest, Brian? I was at the two thousand. At the yep. two thousand Pen Fest. Okay. Yep. Provided the music there too. Yeah. And what do you have in store for us this year at Coco Fest? Anything new? Not really. There's been a few changes and no time. <laughs> yeah, I can relate the, the to that. The darn real life stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have at least the same fake drum setup as last time? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I can try to fake drum again on the fake drum set. So. <laughs> Very cool. What are you looking forward to this year seeing at Coco Fest? Everything. <laughs> excellent excellent yeah so for those out there watching who don't know but brian Schubring, the music man has been uh a tradition 
at uh, at least going back. Was PenFest the first time you did it, or did you do things before? Penfest? Oh, he did before at uh, Coco Fest in Chicago. Okay, I was part of the group with uh, Mike Newson, Mike Carey from down in Tennessee, and we were at the Holiday Inn in Elgin. <laughs> wow. That was 93 from that time on out east. And you provide, uh, you've got a great little setup with incredible sound system, and you've got a Coco 3 playing MIDI music through real synthesizers, so it's controlling... Uh, some authentic 80s, 90s style synths being driven by a Coco, being pumped out through an incredible sound system. And so you provide the soundtrack of Coco Fest as well as the national anthems when we start uh, each day. We start off with at least the American and, and Canadian national anthem. I think one year we had the um, Brazilian national anthems too. Yep. He's yeah. definitely got the loudest Coco in the entire fest. <laughs> Yeah, and so it's it's great to hear some 80s nostalgia music being played via MIDI through a Coco. It just kind of brings the whole thing together. You are the soundtrack to our weekend. <laughs> Thank you. And thanks for being Is here today. Is my video coming through at all? Uh, no, just I just audio? see... I, yeah, just your audio. I just see a okay. uh, little thing. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thanks for sharing, uh, Nick, your um, little work in progress there. It looks like Jason's doing Popstar Pilot now, too, so maybe Jason will get a little farther than I did using Richard's new joystick adapter. Uh, That's not hard to do. Oh, a shameless plug, right? Got yes. the joystick adapter <laughs> and uh, using a Sega, Sega gamepad right now. There you go. I had to try that. Instead of using the oh. stick stick, um, I should try to do that with uh, maybe a D-pad. It might be a little bit easier, less range of motion to have to deal with. Um, very cool. All right, so how about we take another quick, brief uh, sponsor break, and then we'll come back with how about your question of the week we'll do next, Grant. Does that work for you? Yep, looks good, looks good for me. All right, so we'll be right back in just a minute here, folks, with the question of the week with Grant Leedy. Hey, have you got your Cocoa 3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom in Shanghai, and you've tuned into Coco Talk, the nation's leading <clears throat> live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. What's going on, everybody? The original gamer Stevie Stroh here, and I want to talk to you about Amacoconut.com. If you love the color computer like I love the color computer, then you got to visit Amacoconut.com, your one-stop shop for all of your Tandy Color Computer links needs. There you'll find links to blogs and podcasts and project sites and emulators and downloads and groups and communities. If you love the color computer, head on over to Amacoconut.com. That's I-M-A, Coconut.com. Tell them the original gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Coco forever, people. Yes, we do. Bruce mentioned that we need an updated bumper from Rick Adams that says not only Temple of Rom in Shanghai, but but Bomb Threat too, right? Not to mention whatever his current project's going to be called, because we, we want we want that to we want to get some mileage out of that, right? Rick was with us earlier. I don't know what happened. We lost Rick, but he's here. There's he's, Brian. Yeah, the, Joel Joel came by, and I guess they're making some Easter egg baskets for the kids. Ah. So we had to run. Hey, Brian, good to see you. Literally. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Brian Schubring, the Music Man. And Tom C. is here. 
took a break from listening to Packet Radio to stop by and see us. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Tom. And uh, and so now, and I don't have a I don't have a little infographic for you, Grant. I'm sorry because I had to redo my whole uh, broadcast software, so I don't have a a lead in for for Grant Leedy. But let's just say, ladies and gentlemen, coming up with the question of the week, we have Grant Leedy, everybody. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> So this is going to be a question probably for more of the hardware guys. Uh, as we were on Discord here a few, couple nights ago, uh, there was a discussion about what things we can, when you're working on your Cocoa, what things do we not have to reinstall and throw away and what things we should put back on the Cocoa to make sure it runs properly uh, in the future. Um, Richard, you probably know more about what I'm asking for than anybody else here if you want to take that. Uh, you're talking about the uh, EMI shield, which is uh, the uh, like the, it's like a little mylar uh, plastic uh, silver thing that is uh, connected to the bottom of the motherboard. Is that the you're you're talking about that one, right? Correct. Okay. It it can't. It, the thing is, it the the color computer, along with the other appliances back in the early days, would emit a lot of frequencies, and they would interfere with TVs and other appliances, and Things, you know, like radios and things like that that had ham RF, radio. ham radio. And um, so the FCC basically mandated to cut down on that noise, and that's why they put these type of things in there. And it's, and sometimes it does interfere with other equipment. It's just, uh, it's just good practice to keep those things on uh, whenever possible. Uh, some people just, you know, it, I don't know for whatever reason. Sometimes they they keep them off, but uh, you know when I ever repair a computer like that, I usually put them back on. So, cool. um, well, back in the day, back in the day when Tandy was doing their machine, they especially the TRC Model One, they virtually had no shielding on their machine. Well, Atari when they came out with their uh, system, especially the 400, 800. Uh, they actually used cast aluminum to shield the RF on the machines. It was the joke that their systems were able to withstand a nuclear attack because they had so much damp shielding on them. But after they went through and perfected their shielding, they went to the FCC and tattled on Tandy and Apple and all the other guys that were emitting too much RF. Their idea was they were hoping to cut down the competition by literally getting the FCC to say you have to go back and redesign your machines and, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, the uh, it became a big deal back in the day that you couldn't have this RF radiation coming out of the machine. And it doesn't just come out like a, the bottom of the PC board. It can come out the joystick connectors. It could come out when you've got the disk drive plugged in through the cable and like that. And there was things done where you had to shield the disk drive cable. So there was a lot of stuff going on to try and keep those machines happy. And really, uh, the people that tattled the most after Atari was the ham radio operators. They would get up there and they would actually use their equipment to find the house that was emitting the RF. And they would go knock on the person's door and try and figure out what was creating it. And if it was some mass-produced computer, that became a write-up that they had sent off to the FCC that that computer needs to be checked out. 
So there was a lot of tattling going on back then. So the, this would cause like the interference on our cordless telephones back in the day, correct? Uh, that and the fact that also if the frequency was just right, uh, it would actually cause problems for you to be able to have that RF modulator connected up to the TV. You would actually interfere with that signal. So to a certain degree, with the color computer, it became important to keep the RF down. Not so much on the TRSE Model 1 and 3. Because they had their cool. own monitors. Yeah, they weren't using RF to connect to the monitors. So, yeah, there, there, there was a lot of issues back then. But these machines were designed to operate correctly with the shields installed. You remove the shields, it changes the characteristics of the machine. It could change the RF, it could change the... Um, RAM timing, it could change a lot of stuff. So, really, if you want to keep your color computer in tip-top condition, after you have the work done, do put the shield back on. It will work better. Good advice, good advice. What about the shielding here? Hold on one second. Ron's got something here. Okay, tinfoil hat. (laughs) 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 Any effect at all? You need to wear this one. You need da- it, Ron. Yeah, well, that's if, for sure. I think that's personal preference. If you're going to listen to David Ladd talk about MSPs and TTLs, you might need that too. So. No, that'd that be heavy duty. You need like a lead box. <laughs> <laughs> now, listen here, you guys. <laughs> we and have. One, uh, and one last thing about RF shielding. It really helps protect the computer from the dreaded oops. If you got the shielding on in place while you're mucking around inside the machine, there's less things to short it out on, especially at the bottom of the circuit board. So leave it on. And there Thank you, you have very it. Much, guys. There you have it. Was that was that your only question, Grant? Well, uh, we'll ask one other question here, real quick. It's a, qu- a quick one. Uh, when you're working on your on your computer and you're updating like the memory or updating other chips, should you keep the old chips? Yes. There, okay. Either keep and, them or sell them. Yep. They're reusable. Somebody can use them. Yep. Don't keep throw them, them away. In case something goes wrong, or you know, if it works okay, okay, then you can you can sell them to somebody else. A, a good point is the some of the Coco twos that use the two forty four sixty four chips. That's the same chips that Coco 3 128K uses, so you could sell a Coco 3 128 as two 64K upgrades for the later Coco 2s. Mm-hmm. Or bring them to Coco Fest, uh, Coco Fest and put them in the auction. Yeah. Is it important to be grounded when yes. you're playing with rem- memory chips? No static? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We live in, uh, you Arizona. should also be using the, uh, Especially the uh, Arizona. service... D- the service straps you should be wearing those if at all possible to keep from damaging the ram and the machine will that clip onto my hat (laughs) (laughs) clips onto your aluminum your aluminum hat and your self-grounding okay just don't have any 112 volt devices on the uh, workbench at the time Well, Bruce Moore is in the live chat. He's not with us live on the show, but we can run the Coco Forever teaser too since Bruce is out there right now. So let's go ahead and look at this. This is a project that you will 
see in person for the first time at Coco Fest this year. And it is also, we got an exclusive sneak peek at some of this on the bonus episode that we recorded last weekend that will be available on the DVD and is also now available to our patrons. So we recorded an exclusive bonus episode of Coco Talk that will also have a sneak peek at um, episode one of Coco Forever. So here's your teaser trailer. Uh, fasten your seatbelt, kiddies. Imagine a different world. A world where Tandy Corporation has the upper hand. Where the Coco surpassed all competitors. And all you have to do is travel back in time without making a single mistake. Coco forever. definitely earn this office. Yes, you're too kind, and thank you. You want to grab some food before we head back and look at that alt-reality OS9 module? It's <laughs> <laughs> only 40 years past due, but yeah, sure. How does it feel? I'm still believing. There you have it. There is the teaser for Coco Forever. I'm not saying it's a Coco project, but it could be. And uh, so Ken is in the live chat too. Ken says, great Scott. Um, and I'm just curious, Ken, because you had uh, brother Jason come visit you last weekend. We got to see Jason in the car on the uh, Ohio, was it the Ohio Turnpike, was it, Jason? Right, right. Yeah, so we got to see Jason in the car on his way to go see Brother Ken, and Ken's got his Coco. What's it like? Uh, hey, Ken, and I have a question for you. Hey, you got your Coco 3 yet? Have you got a Coco 3 now, Ken? And tell us what it's like having a real Coco 3 uh, in your in your hands, and what are you going to do with all that power? Because with the great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, where's Settle my down, David? <laughs> I, hey, Richard, I will play rap music. I swear. <laughs> uh, he says, no, "Take over the world." <laughs> Take over the world, Pinky. <laughs> Same thing we do every night. Take over the world. Oh dear God. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, we do have another segment uh, to get into. We have our "Why Did Tandy Do That?" Because I need a new uh, a new SCART to HDMI converter. If only, if only someone had come up with that product. If there was not one, but possibly two vendors available with a SCART to HDMI solution, what a what a world this would be! <laughs> That's that future world we saw that ad for earlier, isn't it? He has a switcheroo cable. He just uh, needs to get a different uh, converter box. Uh, now he needs a converter box. So he's actually got yeah, a switcheroo. It, 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 yeah, I, he, he has the uh, second uh, second ever made switcheroo. And uh, if that's bad or good, I don't know. And uh, <laughs> yeah, he's good. He, he, no, but it's marked on the inside. But don't tear it apart. Um, uh, but, but, 
Now he's he has a SCART uh, converter box, but uh, it didn't support RGB, so he has to get a different one. Ah, okay. Hey, real quick too, before we get into why did Tandy do that, I do want to show this off because this is a shameful plug, but it's also, you know, if you guys are interested in getting any of the Coco merchandise, and so here's the here's the swag shop, right? So this is 8bit256.com. We've got a lot of different designs. So we've got our Coco designs. We've got the original Coco Talk design. We've got the deluxe. You can get a Popstar Pilot. We've got a NES, a, a, a Sega Genesis. We've got an Atari 2600. We got a lot of different designs, including a couple of different IMA coconut designs. So there's a there's a variety of, of images. Speaking of why Rick Adams is not here, because his son Joel Adams was with him, and Joel did most of all this artwork, with the exception of Pop Star Pilot. So these are all custom drawn designs by uh, Joel Adams, and there is a promo this weekend. So the uh, the promo code, which is, which will show up on the website too. So if you go to the website, it'll say you've got three days left. So if you use a promo code. FS18, you will get free shipping all the way through April 2nd. So that would be Monday, I guess, right? Yep. So free shipping on all products. What I will also try to do before then is I'm going to upload the image for Coco Talk After Dark. So if anybody would like to get a Coco Talk After Dark t-shirt, coffee mug, mouse pad, adult diaper, um, we will have that image available for you too. So that's not there now. That's been something I've been meaning to do. So hopefully coming soon to a swag shop near you will be Coco Talk After Dark. So now... Let's get on to our next segment of the show. Why did Tandy do that? And of course, this segment would not be complete without a jingle by Alan Huffman. So let's enjoy this. Tell me why did Tandy do that? I love those jingles. The only thing I like better than those jingles is the rap song. (laughs) (laughs) So... We have a question from that guy who made Zaxxon, Steve <laughs> Bjork. <laughs> right now, though, I'm trying to get this image out of my head of a Cocoa After Dark on an adult diaper. <laughs> I'm trying to get that out of my head. Please help me. I missed that item in the shop. I didn't see that. I guess I'm going to have to look harder. I yeah. think Stevie posed for that one. <laughs> I just I want to call I my eyes out. That image on my head. <laughs> <laughs> on why did Tandy do that? It basically has to do with the fact that why are the in-game sounds and stuff like that so bad on the Coco? Yeah, it got a little better later on, but why, why, why? Well, when you compare it to other systems that were out at the time and like that out they had um, something called a sound chip and we've been talking a lot about how the coco should have a sound chip and i can go into why we don't have one on the coco 3 and we didn't get the deluxe color computer and yada yada tandy did know that was an important thing but when they're designed the coco they're using a specification from Motorola for a computer using a 6809 and in that specification well, Motorola didn't sell a sound chip, so they left it out. Uh, there's a bunch of them were available on the market at the time. Some of them weren't that bad in price, but we didn't get it. So to do sound on the Coco, you have to basically have the CPU <coughs> move the speaker. 
It'll generate the audio. It will move the speaker. So every time, let's say you've got something that is a uh, middle C, which is, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, about 44, uh, her, uh, 44, uh, 440 hertz. Yeah, so that, it's, it's an A, but it's yeah, that's a, whatever. But let's go with that frequency. That means that the computer is actually going to have to go in there and change the speaker 880 times a second. That is a lot of work. And how do you do the timing for that and still do graphics and everything else? Well, one of the first things they found, and of course I did too, is that we can do white noise or random noise stuff uh, while we're doing graphics, and that works very good for explosions. So while I'm drawing a little bit of graphic, I will then stop and move the speaker, literally change the value, and then do a little bit more graphing, et cetera. And then I just keep changing the speaker value, how much I moved it by, less and less, and that's how I got an explosion. But if you look at the game Dino Wars, every time the dinos roared, the game stopped to play the audio, and this is typical. Now, we did get better. We did learn little tricks, little techniques to... Uh, make the audio uh, work. Uh, and then in the case of the Coco 3, we've got a precision timer that we could say fire at 880 times a second. And then what we would do is move the speaker every time we got that fire. And we could generate a uh, tone that was exactly 400 and, I mean, excuse me, yeah, 440 hertz. And that's basically, in a nutshell, why is that that way? Now, Tandy did know, as I said, that this problem generating audio was needed a bit of hardware that would go off and do it. They put a sound chip in the Deluxe Color computer, and the Deluxe Color computer never came out because of the MC-10. <laughs> <laughs> and people wonder why I hate the MC-10. Because if we had that sound chip in the Deluxe computer it would have been mandated that it would have been in the Color Computer 3. So that's part of the problem. Now, we've all been working on this. People have come out with different solutions. Now, myself, I think I'm going to support Sur Sound, which is a project that Alan's been working on. Um, not only has it got a sound chip in it, it has a CPU chip that handles a lot of the work I would have to do as a game developer to play a particular sounder note. I can shove that information off to the source outboard and let it do it, and I can just concentrate on the game. Now, a game like, for example, um, uh, let's see, Super Pitfall, 25% of its time was spent doing sound. Now, you can imagine that the game would run 25% faster if I didn't have to do all that sound work, which certain sound will do for me. Mm -hmm. So these are some of the things that are going on. But that's the reason why Tandy did it. Motorola did not have a sound chip at the time. Now, did Motorola ever come up with one later? I don't recall. <laughs> I, I, I don't remember seeing a spec for anything like that from Motorola. But, um, but that's, you know, as I said, the Color Computer 3 was a Motorola-designed computer. It was, and they just took the spec and went with it. We do have a question from the live chat. Uh, Jason's brother, Ken, says, Who knighted Sir Sound? 
Is he like Dr. Pepper? <laughs> well, as I recall, Dr. Pepper, yeah, do a thesis. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I'm definitely uh, supporting. If I come out with another game and there's a couple things I'm working on, I'm going to support that. Uh, his sure sound. I think it's the way to go. Uh, you would be able to play music at any time. I could be off loading a disc file. I could be uh, hard at work playing uh, the actual in-game logic, and it will do everything. It will do the envelopes. It will do the attack delay. It will do what's needed to make beautiful sounding music. Excellent. And the fact that he's hooking it into BASIC, too, makes it easy for the beginning programmer to use it as well. Mm. Yep. And the thing is, he's right now, he's very good at supporting ideas. Uh, Nick, you had a nice conversation with Alan after the show last week, and I think it was last week, and uh, didn't you guys come up with a few things together? Uh, gee, I've got to remember back that far. Uh, <laughs> but I, I do remember it was a very uh, productive uh, discussion, yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he's very so good. He's very good. And as I mentioned just before, he made the suggestion about my sequencing in my program, which I've taken on board. So mm -hmm. he's very helpful, yeah. yeah and, and that's the thing that I see is the beauty of this system, too, is it's supported by somebody that understands uh, music theory. Uh, he's a musician himself. Uh, he's very ded dedicated on getting all this stuff done. And... So it's 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 not a situation where like I've came up with the hardware. Okay, you guys go do something with it. He is working with you to help create the good sound. And there you go. So is, um, and is, uh, oh, by the way, Sir Sound interface via the Bitbanger port, the RS two thirty two port, and I do know of another device that's being developed by a gentleman that will give you three RS two thirty two ports off your Coco when you plug it in. So there's going to be a lot of RS-232 options to support it. And once you buy SirSound, plug it into the machine, you don't have to worry about rebuying the hardware again and again and again. You already have the hardware. And it could be used as software that comes on disk or on cartridge or whatever. Yeah, and it takes no slots in a multi-pack or anything either, too. So right. yep. it doesn't even require a multi-pack. Yep. So, yeah, it's just, it, it's, we're finally getting a solution to Tandy's lack of vision when they first built the machine. They right. didn't think it was that important. They, just like they didn't think that sprites were that important or scrolling maps were that important. Well, and these are things that uh, could have really been used. Uh, I agree 100%, but yeah, I just you have to wonder. Number one, Tandy, well, they did they did actually develop and design the TRS-80. That had to be engineered from scratch. So in that case, um, the TRS-80 was uh, a, a literally in-house engineered project, uh, and we got to give them give them credit for that. Now, when it came to the Coco, as you mentioned, it's all based on Motorola reference designs, and you know Motorola has a vested interest to want to sell the things they make and as you mentioned this was something they didn't make um and tandy for whatever reason didn't think any further than that design um and all the things you're mentioning like a sound chip and hardware scrolling and all those things you're mentioning are really game centric 
And on the one hand, Tandy did want to sell this as a multi-purpose entertainment learning tool, small business tool, but none of that focused on things that would make developing games easier or the game quality better. None of that was really considered. Um, yeah. and, and well, yes and no. They're, they're, they were starting to listen to us game designers. And, you know, some of us bitched and some of us actually gave pretty good arguments. But all through the company, they started to understand that this problem with sound cannot be fixed by throwing more CPU at it. You do need a sound chip. And they did that with the Tandy 1000. Right, right. And at that point, they shift priority, I think. And and they did release the sound and speech cartridge. Don't forget. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. Be very bad. That that was that, that was always something they said. Well, you know, you could always make your game work with that. And I'm going, yeah, but if I make my cartridge game work with it, they have to have a multi pack and the card. And we're now looking at the multi pack was what three hundred dollars, wasn't it? I don't remember, but yeah, yeah, it was yeah. at least one hundred and eighty even later on. So yeah. yeah. And then you had a hundred dollars for the speech sound pack, so well, it's an expensive I, game. You could have <laughs> you could have bought a Commodore sixty four for that price, and that had a sound chip built in. Yeah, <laughs> now, a lot of my games did support the speech sound pack. Yeah, yeah whether it be just for music or, or and sound effects, I never did. Well, I can't think I did put speech in in one game. I think it was Ganabuana. Ganabuana, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it, it's. But that's why Tandy did in the beginning, you know, it was not part of the moral aspect. Yeah, they saved money not doing that too. But it's been a handicap for us in developing uh, games and such. Mm-hmm. Attractive games compared to other platforms. Right. All right. So, so you posed the question of, you, you, you started off basically with the statement, they did not give us the product. So... If we were to theorize why, or is part of that answer already because Motorola didn't spec it, or yep. initially was it just they didn't want to spend any extra money as well, or they went strictly with the Motorola spec. Every all the parts in there, they were Motorola chips. Mm-hmm. They stayed with that spec. They didn't want to put extra design time in. Now you have to say though, when they came up with the Color Computer Three, uh, they designed the Gimme. Right, and they threw all the stuff in there, mm-hmm. but they had a cost limitation of how, what they could throw in the mach- into that gimme chip. Otherwise, it started making the chip too expensive. So that's why we didn't get sound option on the gimme, and all we did get was a programmable timer. Well, we used the programmable timer to do the sound. Not the best way to do it, but we got the sound done. Right, right. I noticed there was the quality of the audio and the uh, frequency of audio in games seemed to go up on Coco 3 specific games. I noticed, uh, you know, I'm actually, I'm kind of new to Coco 3 games. I really started playing them like a year ago. So I was really impressed with how many of them did have background, like like one of the ones they're showing right now, Pack Dude Monster Maze that Jason's playing. That's got background music the whole time and hardware-based scrolling. So, um a lot of that going on in Coco 3 stuff, I guess the combination of a little bit more CPU speed and, as you mentioned, this other gimme programmable feature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the programmable timer. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it just basically, if you got the CPU doing sound, the more 
work the CPU has to do, mm -hmm. the better the sound's going to get because of that more work. Now, right. if you're trying to do a lot of other things, uh, that's when the sound goes down in quality. Yeah. Right, right. And that's why a lot of the Coco 1 and 2 games especially, they would have four-voice music that didn't sound too bad, but only during like splash screens, kind of like what Nick was talking about with his project. Uh, so you'd have like an intro screen like on Draconian, which has you know some right. fancy four-voice music. But once the game actually started, I think the only game I remember that tried to use multi-voice music in-game in a Coco 1 and 2 is Grabber. And it's not moving a ton of graphics. That's one of the reasons that one worked. Right. You should actually try a dragon game. Um, oh, what's it called? Uh, Superboy. Super Kid? Super Kid, yeah. Yeah, it that's, has good. But that music is not in game either, right? But it's got actually, stuff like that in game. Hmm. There's actually one called Crazy Painter for the Coco 1 and 2 that has music in, in game. Yeah, yeah you were playing that earlier. Yeah. That's, yeah. I noticed too, like speaking of Zaxxon, um, and you mentioned <laughs> you, you mentioned how you um, you how you had to program it where you just you sent a little bit of sound to the speaker in between graphics routines. When you when you start flying, and especially when you before the island comes into the screen, when you start shooting your lasers, you can hear the poof poof poof. You can hear those firing, and it sounds very smooth and fluid. And as soon as the brick wall comes in and you start shooting, the sound slows down a little bit too, right? Because everything's right. everything's being sliced with the CPU, and you can almost tell how much routine is going on in the program by the shot sound. If the shot sound is unstuttered and, and happening very quickly, then there's less CPU chunks being swallowed and as more graphics enter in, the sound starts to stutter a little bit. And um, uh, that's one thing I noticed in games. And as even though I don't understand hardware and I don't understand assembly, and I didn't back then as a teenager either, I knew enough to know that I appreciated what people did to get the Coco to do what it did. We all kind of knew that we had this machine that was a crazy kind of special. There was something cool about it, but there was a lot of things that just didn't have. And despite those limitations, people found a way to produce things that were of the quality they were, of just top-notch commercial quality. And to me, that that makes it even more special because when you don't have the, the, the graphics chips and the sound chips and you still manage to pull off something and, 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 and honestly, like the gold standard for a while was the ColecoVision, and it had all the hardware assists, but when Donkey King came out and Zaxxon for the Coco came out using nothing but software, we beat that gold standard. When I say we, you guys, <laughs> you created a product that was better than, you know, these, you know, these other flagship things, and it just made me really proud and really helped me appreciate what that machine could do in the right hands, you know? Well, one one thing is, if you have a machine that has you know more primitive capabilities, and the Apple II people can vouch for this too, <clears throat> you had to become way more innovative on how you wrote routines. You didn't just you know quickly use a chip that was already built in. So a, a lot of the games you see in the Apple II and on the Coco really pushed the limits, and I think came up with some just ingenious methods of getting things done <coughs> because of those limitations. Yep. So it's kind of a an oddity yeah, the... that we had better programming. Uh, algorithm stuff being done on our machines because of the limitations of the hardware. Also, there's a certain thing about when you have simpler hardware, like the Coco 1, 2, and 3, especially the 1, 2, it is easier to learn. You don't have so much that you're having to deal with. Trust me, if you had deal with display lists that were on the Atari computer, you'd go nuts 
for a few months trying to figure out how they worked as far as we were putting up graphics on the screen. There's Jason playing Zaxxon down there. <laughs> With the right color set, you'll notice. Yes. There's a lot of videos on YouTube where it's using the wrong color set. Drives me nuts. Yeah, I hear yeah. that. <laughs> oh, I know with the Coco 3 to go ahead and do the F1 reset for anything that Steve's written. Yep. <laughs> but, we, uh, yeah, it, there, one of the things about the game, too, trying to keep it smooth, is I had a frame lock where sometimes you had less graphics going on. It would be faster. Other times, uh, you know it had to do more work so it'd be slower on the frame rate but i wanted the frame rate to be identical so i had a lock on that said there would be so many frames or so many fields would go by before i switched the images and basically you're running at about on zaxon you're running 15 um, frames per second and if i had extra time yeah that's, I went into a little routine that would do a slight delay and then do a sound effect. Slight delay and, you know, something moving the speaker. And that's, you know, Stevie picked up on that. That's exactly what's happening is I'm having to spend more work doing graphics. So I'm spending less time in that routine that's waiting for the proper time to switch to the other page, the other screen. Here's a nice consistency, though. I, I have another confession since you're here, Steve. Uh, mm-hmm. One time back in the 80s, I had a copy of Zaxxon on disc, and I figured out where your name was, and I poked uh, my, na- my name in there and resaved it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fact that you guys share the same first name probably made that a bit easier. I forgot yeah. what I I think what I changed it to say was something like "Cool Steve" because I had to make the letters match exactly because it wasn't uh, you know it was all plain text. I could see where it said Steve Bjork and in, in, uh, as I was reading through memory. So I think I just said, made it say "Cool Steve" and I'm like, "Hey guys, look at this game I made." <laughs> Showed my friends. Right? So. <laughs> well, all you had to do was make it the same length or shorter and put a zero at the end of it. Ah, okay. That was my end of string was a zero because. Uh, I didn't tell it how many characters to do, mm. but of course you couldn't do more characters because you'd ruin the day that came behind it. Right, right. We have a question from Mister Robot Shop in the last in the live chat, and I'm I'm assuming he's asking you since uh, he says, "Steve, what was your favorite game to make and play?" He, um, <laughs> I'm sitting there stuttering because I'm trying to remember. Um, <laughs> See, as far as favorite game to play, after playing the game literally tens of thousands of times while developing it, Mm -hmm. you kind of get tired of the game. Right. Boring, doesn't it? You were your own play tester? Yeah. I I, I think probably either Rampage or Arkanoid, only because those projects, I didn't play them, you know, 10,000 times or Mm. 100,000 times. The games were... While Rampage was done in about 30 days, 31 days, Arkanoid, I think, was about six weeks. So, you know, I just, I knew what I had to do. I got in there, I got it done. And at the end, I wasn't so bored with the game that I could sit down and play it. Besides, Arkanoid, they gave me everything I needed to know exactly how the levels were done and like that. And I don't think it was until I got into the testing phase that I actually made it all the way through 
the entire game. Hmm. I was going to ask you, actually, did you do Bash first and then Arkanoid, or was it the other way around? I did Bash first, and that's what got Tandy thinking, hey, I could do Arkanoid pretty good. Okay. And then the agreement was that uh, after I got the contract for Arkanoid, that Bash would be pulled off the market. They didn't want to see the competition. But I got paid pretty good money, so I was happy to do that. A lot more than I was making selling the product third party, that's for sure. Yeah. Right. How, how was Bash being distributed? Was that SRB software at that point? Uh, that was GamePoint software. Oh, yeah, okay. Ellison's. Yeah. But, so uh, they asked another company to take their product off the market? Uh, yep. Well, wow. see, the thing is, I may, he was just selling them for me. I didn't Ah, okay. So you were, you were basically the decision maker there. Yeah. Wasn't like it would have been like a data soft where, you no. know, or something like that. Okay. Okay. So basically it's just, it's saying, listen, we're going to pay you anyways, but we're going to pay you through us and whatever. You're not going to get yeah. paid from him anymore type of thing. So. Now, um, was it the same situation with Mine Rescue and Super Pitfall? Because those look like the same engine as well. Uh, they were. Actually, Mine Rescue did come after Super Pitfall. I wanted to do a simpler version of the game. Okay. One that wasn't so massive. Uh, I still remember literally printing up the levels that made up Super Pitfall, and they covered an entire wall in my office. Wow. It is a big game. I do remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never finished it. It's it's so weird. It's like an anti-pitfall game too. It's really like a platformer, mm-hmm. and, and a platformer with a gun. <laughs> well, it was it was developed by Nintendo or one of the third parties that was uh-huh. under assignment of Nintendo. So it was a mm-hmm. Nintendo game. Mm-hmm. So they decided to change it for the way the Japanese market likes to do platform games with guns and bullets and mm-hmm. all that fun stuff. Yeah. Looks like Coco Man's doing pretty good on Zaxxon over there. So Yeah. I've been you, watching him. Doing you proud. So mm-hmm. <laughs> he he must be enjoying uh Richard's uh Richard's joystick adapter, adapter huh? Yeah. That's it. Another shameless plug. <laughs> Boyson <laughs> Tech. That's right. Boyson Tech. B O Y S O N. I'm playing with a Sega Genesis controller right now. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta come up with a name with it. Yeah, I've got a uh, plaque that uh, Datasoft put together for me after the the game was done. It was one of the first production boxes to be shipped out. Hmm. And on the plaque it says, thank you very much for your all, all your sleepless nights and long weekends. Hmm. Did they I, guess they, I guess they forgot that I worked during the week, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, you just made me think of something. Was there anything like a gold record? That you may have received, you know, from reaching a certain number of sales or anything like that from either Tandy or other, you know, Datasoft or anybody? It's amazing. Back in those days in the industry, nobody liked to talk about sales, how much you're doing. And it was, you know, it's not like the record industry when you get a gold record, you know, and they want to present to you and stuff like that. No, they just want to uh, keep it secret because if anybody found out that you had the idea that was worth money that actually 
did that, whether it be selling a game in a particular market or a particular game or a particular aspect, they consider that company assets and they don't want that information to get out. So, no, it was like, you know, I'd go up to them and say, well, how's Axon doing? They'd say, that's doing good. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd go, how many sales do we have? Oh, good enough. Is it doing? So even you never got specific numbers. I never got specific numbers when I was uh, at Deasoft. They would never tell me what it was. And then the only way I knew from Tandy what the sales were on some of the games is because their accounting had to figure it out because I was paid royalties. Hmm. And Zaxxon was a contract, so it wasn't a a royalty-based payment for you, was it? No, there there were some bonuses for royalties and like that, and I was going to get a hell of a bonus for the disc version uh, for twofold. One, as I came up with a good, fast way of making the disc, and two, um, uh, they were just considered special. And then something happened where Tanny decided they weren't going to sell the disc version. Thank you, Marty Goodman. <laughs> <laughs> Look that one up somewhere. <laughs> but, I think uh, we've heard the story before on here. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it just uh, it, it it was tough trying to find out what the numbers were. Could they even give you a clue? Like you know, let's say it's somewhere between uh, popcorn and mega bug with a you know side order of clowns and balloons or anything like that. <laughs> All I know that two factors that would come in was. Disc sales were a little bit lower than cassette sales because everybody had a cassette, not everybody had disc. Gotcha. And if you did a difference in price between the two, whichever was the cheapest is the one that always sold the most. So if you had the cassettes for about $3 cheaper than the disc version, those sold like gangbusters. Though uh, one interesting comment from our customer service support at Datasoft was they had one guy he bought the version and bitch and complained he could not get it to load. It just wouldn't load. He said he followed the directions. It wouldn't load. Turns out, you know, he did buy the cassette version and tried to load in his floppy disk pl- uh, drive. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and floppy disk drive was faster, so it should load it faster. That yeah, was just right, he got the cassette tape into the drive. Yeah. <laughs> When those those full height ones might have had enough room, you know, if you lift up the latch, the old silver yep. old silver dinosaur ones. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it just you wonder about some people. You <laughs> miss you going this cassettes going cassette. Yeah, good stuff. Okay. Good stuff. Yep. Anyways, but basically, that's why Tandy did it. It was it was the spec that Motorola had, and it kept. But the, the system was simple. And you had to do all the work. You had to do the graphics. You had to do the sound. You had to do everything. It made it easier for people to learn how to do the system. Well, uh, didn't the project originate as the Project Green Thumb design? That uh, terminal? Oh, the Videotech style terminal? But right. a little bit before the Coco One did? Yeah, yeah. Project Green Thumb was the first project they got in on before it even became video text, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, so if, yeah if it predated Coco, it's probably that. Yeah. Which yeah, you, all they 
all they needed was the nuclear green screen to emulate a green screen monitor and they didn't need sound and they wanted to sell chips so they put as many of them in as, as they could <laughs> no, it's the same reference design it appears you know yeah right mm-hmm. right right 6847 uh, the sam and the 6809 and all that yeah right, right. well the so, sam also made for cheaper memory because you use dynamic memory chips since they didn't use a SAM in the MC-10, they had to use the more expensive static. That's why there is only 4K uh, of RAM in there. Oh, interesting. That some of those design choices affected other things. Yep. Yeah, a, st- a static sale requires an entire flip-flop, can, which can be anywhere from 4 to 8 transistor junctions, where a dynamic RAM sale is basically half of a transistor so you can see the physical size of storing a bit on a static opposed to dynamic memory is quite a bit more dense on a dynamic ram hence the how much cheaper they are roger that but the only problem is that cell that has that bit in there forgets its information after a little while and that's what the SAM chip did, is it refreshed the memory so it wouldn't forget. Almost like a capacitor, so to speak. Or, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. exactly what they're doing. A reverse bias diode, it was storing the charge as a capacitor. A really, 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 really small capacitor. <laughs> <laughs> cool and stuff. We still, and we still use it today. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, dynamic RAM is much cheaper than static RAM. Uh, so, yeah, it is definitely an exciting time for sound. So we just have Dan Loyal just chimed in here, turned aside in the sidebar here. You should test the new adapter with the latest Runner Beta 4.1 that supports Sega Joypad and both buttons. Runner Beta 4.1. Is that a code game? Load Runner. Load Runner. Oh, latest Load Runner Beta 4.1. It's probably the port. Oh, okay, the is port. that uh, Mark McDougal's? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Okay, we'll try that. We'll look that up. We'll check out his site. Uh, by the way, Mark McDougall's site can be found on I'mACoconut.com. Shameful plug there. Um, yeah, we'll try that. So, yeah, it's an exciting time for sound hardware. And we, we are mentioning now, you know, the question was, why did Tandy's sound sucked? Because Tandy didn't have a sound chip. We now have multiple sound chip options. Um, Ed Snyder has got an option that's called the, what is it called, SGM PSG. Coco PSG. PSG. I, I, yeah, this, I can't get... Okay, PSG, Programmable Sound Generator. Sound right? So, yep. so Ed Snyder has a solution. Um, Ed Snyder's solution absolutely would require a multi-pack to use, and luckily he happens to sell those too, the, the mini MPI. Um, oh, you have one there. Okay. Now, um, Alan's working on the Sir Sound, which will not require a multi-pack. Uh, we'll, we'll work from a serial port or an RS-232 port. Uh, and then there is also the Game Master, is it GMC? Game Master cartridge? Yeah, cartridge. Yeah, and, yeah. So, and, um, and, and so I know sometimes we will possibly misquote what the intent of the <laughs> Game Master cartridge is. And so in, in an attempt to not misquote or misrepresent that, what I will say about this, because I know in the past when we've talked about that, the phrase, it needs a multi-pack might come up. And, and I think that's not 
completely accurate because I believe, and again, I don't want to misrepresent the intent, but what I'm pretty sure is public knowledge is that the Game Master cartridge, it was designed for you to put your game on that cartridge. So if your game is on that ROM cartridge and the sound chip is in the ROM cartridge and you're playing it from the cartridge, it absolutely does not require a multi-pack in that in intended design. Now, to develop for it, that's a different story, but you can also do that in MAME. Can I yeah? Can I just plug something there because uh, the most recent build of XRAW supports uh, that sound cartridge as well. The game, the game master cartridge. Yes, yeah. the mm -hmm. most recent build of XRAW has that. Built Ooh, in. that's cool. Oh, so cool. you can so develop both name and XRAW then. So now we have a few development options there. Um, uh, emulation development options. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because Kieran so was asking me to test something, to test some stuff out. Because um, excellent. Yeah, so we got some stuff worked out. And right. don't forget John Strong's sound option. Mm -hmm. And you can still use Sir Sound <clears throat> in your development system, too, if you're using MAME or whatever, because they also support an RS-232 port. Okay. There you go. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting time on sound options. And mm -hmm. while uh, sound hardware is hardware, and all of this hardware exists in, in a variety of ways, what it really boils down to now is uh, the musicians to compose and the developers to develop games to produce this sound and music. And unfortunately, you know, the, the developers we have that are, you know, currently actively putting out Cocoa products, we can kind of count them on one hand, you know. Um, we need more developers. We need more products out there. If that's that's one of my pleas. But you know, we do have uh, Simon's working on things. We have Nick working on things. Uh, uh, you know, Rick Adams, John Strong, uh, Paul Thayer. Uh, I'm trying to remember all the different people making stuff. There's you know the 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 more people enter the fray. But when it comes to like. Um, you know, the commercial products that we can purchase on an annual basis. We're, we're lucky to get maybe, I don't know, three to half a dozen new products per year. Uh, it would be nice to have more people developing software to take advantage of this sound hardware, you know? Yeah, we just need to hire Steve Ballmer to go, developers, developers, developers. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 let's, let, let's not write off the uh, built-in ZAC completely. It still is quite a capable uh, sound system, especially when it's on a Coco 3 using the uh, timers. Yes, You it can is. actually create yeah. some pretty good sound. Yes, it um, is. There are limitations. Um, you can't do everything that a sound chip can do. It can. Uh, it, does, it, it does still take up CPU time, so depending on your game, you know, that, that could uh, create some restrictions. But I'm just wondering, can... I'm just going to play some sound effects that I developed a while back for my latest game. I don't know if I'm sharing the audio. Just tell me if you can hear this. Yeah. Did that come yeah. through? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. These are sample sounds. These are running an interrupt-driven sound routine that will be used in my uh, my current game, Gunstar. And these are fairly optimized. I do have. I haven't actually done the math, but. They do utilize um, fairly low CPU time. It's a two-channel sound system. So I've already got the sound effects for that. What you heard just then was a, a laser fire for my spaceship. I've also got, oh, that was the laser fire. And now I've got an, ex an explosion, mm -hmm. a warning alert. 
a smaller explosion, collection of objects. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Enemy fire. That's a smart bomb. <laughs> and then what I did also, I tried to simulate what it will actually be like in the game when, because it's a, a two-channel sound system, I can actually play two sounds at once. So I can have a gunshot and an explosion going off. So I tried to simulate roughly what the game, an actual game, would play with the with these built-in sounds. So here's a simulated... Uh, um, what do they call that? Uh, audio soundscape. Mm -hmm. So it, oh, it's still going, is it? Blast it, stop. <laughs> <laughs> the war is over. <laughs> Um, yeah, so you can still do a fair bit with the built-in DAC. Um, you can't play music. It's, the sound effects that I use are sound samples. It's the same as what was used in Donkey Kong and in what the, um, uh, Glenn uh, used for his Pac-Man. Sound samples are actually easier to do because all the work's been done. So all you're doing is piping data to the DAC. So you can do that fairly quickly. Yeah. If you want to generate tones, though, that needs a bit more work uh, where the uh, CPU has to generate the entire tone. Uh, and that takes up more time and it will be restricted on the type of games that you can use it in. So... I wouldn't write off the DAC completely. I mean, getting getting some of these sound chips to do those sort of sound effects is pretty, pretty, um, pretty complicated. Uh, now, can be now, done. Nick, Nick, I want to interrupt you. On yeah. um, Super Pitfall, it yep. played music while the game was playing. Yes, yeah, but yeah. Uh, it depends on the amount of CPU time. I've got. Well, yeah. Gunstar is going to have a fair bit of uh, graphics moving about, so it really yeah. does eat up a fair bit well, of Well, I also said that it took 25% of the CPU cycles. Mm -hmm. to yeah, do and that. you're not doing full screen <laughs> scrolling. You actually had a window. I had to do a window down, yeah. Yeah, yeah now, so. Now, if it, I had 512K, I could have done full screen. Yeah, it, it all depends on the type of game you're doing. I mean, Photon on the. Um, on the Coco 3 is actually very good. Uh, yep. If you've ever played that, that's got very good sound. And, and Contras. And Contras, yeah. Um, but what I'm doing in Gunstar is going to have a lot more CPU time in there. And I'm going to use the 6309 as well, but even then uh, it'll be pushing it. So for sampled sound effects, I can do a pretty good job with the, the built-in DAC. Um, music, well, maybe we can support a sound chip later on down the track and mm -hmm. have a, uh, uh, if it detects a sound card, it'll play music in the background. I, I don't know. That's looking ahead too far. And, of course, there's still my sound matrix that I'm working on. It's not going to be ready for the show, but it has six MP3 players on there. So I can yeah. play six fully orchestrated sound effects in either wave or mp3 format at the same time and all the uh, coco has to do is just say play it just send a one byte command and it goes off and does it 
And this is from my uh, haunt industry stuff for, you know, Halloween things and stuff like that. But I figured, hey, at the same time, I'll make it available for the Coco. So if you want to do full orchestrated music, sound effects, everything else, that's an option too. So Justin Bieber, Bieber in the background of playing pop star pilot. <laughs> yep, yep, there did you, you go. Did you say Justin Beaver? <laughs> Not as opposed to Justin's Bieber. <laughs> that'd make a believe that'd make a believer out of me. So yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Bruce Moore says, "When are we going to have Fun Star on Rom Cartridge?" <laughs> good stuff. Good I, stuff. I thought Fun Star was finished years ago. Yeah, it was finished in a weekend. No, we're talking about Fun Star Two. Yes. The uh, 512K ROM cartridge version. And, it's up uh, to version 8. Coco Man and Grant were both upside down for you, uh, Nick, in proper Australian uh, in the- salute. <laughs> yeah, so. Well, no, no, no. Everyone else was upside down. <laughs> they were right yeah. side up. Huh? They, they were the right only one the right, right way up. Oh, yeah. now we've got the... Uh, yeah. yeah. Here we go. Nick, well, fun- Coco Man was doing it right with a map of Australia, though. Yeah. Upside down. Well, Grant now has his propeller on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like it's shaving his head. <laughs> that's well, what happened Ed, to David. Nick, that's a running gag, by the way, the <laughs> propeller. Well, you know, um, that does bring up one thing that the Coco was better at in producing sound, and that's playing back sound samples. Uh, yes. If you had yep. a sound chip, um, many of the sound chips out there are lucky if they can do a four-bit sound sample. And you have to jump through a lot of hoops to get it to, to play samples. Yep. And, the, and um, the, the, in recent years, they've improved the quality to where they're really good. But back in the day, um, it was really easy to pr- play back a sound sample on the Coco. But some of these other machines, y- you had stuff that was... Well, if you had speech, some of them you couldn't understand the speech and like you know, speech sound pack. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, digitized like, speech. Yeah, in the case of Commodore and stuff like that, they could do a synthesized waveform to generate the stuff, but there's no way you could do a, a digital. They just didn't have the memory for it. Um, but you know, the Amiga. That's a different story. It could do wave samples. Right. Uh, later and with the PC. DMA driving it, so it didn't require any CPU time except when you wanted right. to start the sample again. Exactly. And in the case of the um, the PC, they started coming out with, uh, you know, digital sample capable um, sound systems and like that. So, yeah, we start moving in that direction. But, yeah, the Coco had a very simple sound system which had advantages and disadvantages yeah now um, 8 bit instead 8 bit now the the other um, the other systems that have sound chips uh, most of them generate I'm just playing samples on the Coco there Exactly. Yep. And now the one area that was probably the biggest failing uh, of, of having a DAC was that 
you couldn't play sound at the same time as you were doing something in basic. That was probably the, because there's way ways of, of producing sound at the same time you're doing something when you're using assembly, but in basic, you have to have an, a, some sort of assembly add-on if you're going to play sound at the same time your basic program ba is running. Basic was a single-task operation. What we did in assembly is we did multitask operation. Right. We coded that way. Right. Now, you, you can... Uh, I, I've seen a lot of music players on other machines, you know, that uh, they're interrupt-driven. And, uh, as a matter of fact, I wrote one for the Auric uh, and uh, ported it to the uh, Sound Blaster that it would... You could have it playing music and stuff while you're you're uh, running a basic program, but without a sound chip, you've got to drive it more often. Mm -hmm. And basic requires a lot of time to interpret your code. Right. Um, actually, Coco Man's got uh, Photon playing. I don't know, uh, Coco Man, if you can share the sound and play that. Yeah. You got the RGB composite set wrong at the moment, but... <laughs> I've got a lot not working right now. <laughs> <laughs> I could I could probably try to pull up Photon on my Coco three if I had to. Yeah, I think I think this is going to require an analog stick. Oh, is it analog? Mm-hmm. I've never played yeah. Photon before. I haven't either. Okay. Well, even if you are in my favorite if, games, <laughs> if you just start the game, it doesn't matter if you can't control anything. Just so we can hear the background music. Take a higher level though, so it has more objects moving on screen. Because you actually did a pretty good job on keeping the sound sounding really good along with a fair bit of moving graphics. See, this is exactly why I put demo modes in all, all my games. Okay, here's something. Yeah, that's so, a speech. It's just got speech, too. So. Oh, look at this. I'm getting a DM... A yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. I have no idea what I'm doing, but it sounds good. <laughs> That's what she said. Hey oh, hello. Oh, what is it? I've never played this game before. I've never even seen it. It's quite good. Yeah, it's very good. It's, it's, a, it's a, quite an addicting game, and he's got, I think it's 60 levels or something. He's got a ton in there. It's and it a gets puzzle quite game. Yeah, it's a puzzle arcade game. Yeah. Spent too much time playing this game. Yep. I have no idea what's going on. This I, you have to push Jeff, the puzzle pieces around oh, and try to get see. to the exit. Yeah, it's by Jeff Steele, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And don't get hit by the balls, and don't get hit by the uh, other plasma things. droids. <laughs> that sounded bad. watching Steve try to play Popster. Well, up until five minutes ago, I never even heard of this game. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to see if I got it coming up on mine right now. Are you running an RGB monitor? Yes. Yeah, you'll actually get bright colors if you have that set up right. I don't know if you uh -huh. guys can see it on mine. Yeah, yep. Sun, Sundog, Sundog actually system. had a lot of good games. Yes. Mm -hmm. After DICOM left the Coco market, they were the premier third party. 
Okay, so I don't have an analog stick on mine right now. But Do you I... have a Coco Mouse? Uh, let me, uh, I can just... Switch. Actually, it might work on digital because it's just left, right, up, down. Okay. And the one yeah, button the to push and pull. should work fine. Okay, so level one, I hit start then, huh? Two power bars remaining. Hit the button. Okay. This is going to be entertaining. <laughs> what am I doing? Now you gotta push and pull the blocks. To do what? Uh, to uh, get to the exit, which is that little recess thing that the red ball's rolling over every once in a while. And to I'm pull you, steer towards a block, stop one stop, one blank spot before, and then hit the button and it'll pull towards you. Alright, I'm having a hard time hearing you over the music now. Alright, no, the music is good though. And that music's playing in the background, so that's what, IRQ driven? Yep. Yes. And the tones have an envelope sound uh, effect on them as well, so... Yeah, I talked to Jeff about it a little bit, and he actually... Um... He did some of his tones as chords, so he could actually get it sounding like a six voice without mm. actually using six voices, trying to time or IRQ six separate voices. He actually had, you know, like a two or three voice chord as a single voice digitized sample. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's, that's halfway decent. Now, that's, that's a game where, because you're not scrolling the entire screen and the, the, the amount of animation is... Is a little bit less complicated that you could probably pull that later off, levels right? it gets pretty pretty going there's like a good 30 to 40 sprites going simultaneously hmm and the game and the music never nope it's going fine <clears throat> okay hey mark farrell is here hello mark mark is saying boo to something i'm not sure what he's saying boo to if that was to jason crashing earlier in the game or something or just to the show in general either way is uh, appropriate so um <laughs> cool stuff yeah so yeah, talking about Coco Sound, I mean, we ought to dedicate an, an episode to that at some point in time. Or you just did. <laughs> <laughs> Not until I've played something. Here you go, here's a bit from the demo. All right, a little bit of Simon Jonasson for you, some madman. Meow. David. I, what? Meow, meow. David. David's got his own uh, digital sampler. Is that like Where's the, the, like the poo-poo platter? Yeah. This, <laughs> this music is brought to you by Boyson Technologies, maker of the uh, thingamajiggy here. All right? It's the Boyson, <laughs> the, the Boyson thingamajiggy. Let's rickroll. We just got oh rickrolled. Oh no! All right, we got Rickrolled. Was it on a Coco at least? <laughs> Is that a Coco sample? It wasn't no. me. Not a, a Coco sample, but it could be. But it could be. That's yeah. right. So. <laughs> The Boyson Tech uh, thingamajiggy is available at a location near you. An I undisclosed location. <laughs> what is it? The, the Boyson Tech dash Coco dash Atari dash joystick dash adapter dash something else. <laughs> it, just, it just rolls right off the tongue. That's Get what she said. Please send RMAs to Jim Brain. <laughs> <laughs> Coming soon. No. 
Coco Fest near you. Well, Bruce was this was saying we got to call it the Boy Sun Box, but I, it sounds interesting. But I don't know. We'll, we'll have to come up with a name for it. There's no box. That's yeah. ironic. Yeah, you could go so many places with boxes. Yeah, the mini so box. Could, I don't the know. Mini box. Hey, Jim's oh, here. Dash adapter. <laughs> Dash buy now. No. Oh my god! Oh, he says we, <laughs> we'll, we'll call it the. Okay, Ken says we should call it the Boysenberry. Isn't it a but I hop? It's the Boysenberry. No, no, the Boysenberry is from Knott's Berry Farm. (laughs) Seriously, (laughs) they put it on the map. And Jim says call it the Boysen Bag. The Boysen Bag. (laughs) All right. Well, we have a few news articles to go over, I think. I know we've covered a few things. How about we take another quick break? Uh, Anybody need to take a potty break? We've been going for two hours. How about I run maybe a couple, two commercials, give you guys about a minute, minute and a half, and we'll take a potty break, and then we'll come back with some news. Sound good, everybody? Sounds good. All right. We'll be back. (laughs) And maybe if we're lucky, some rap music will play. Oh, God, no. Yo, yo, yo. Hi, I'm Kieran Richard, author of Xraw, and your brain is resolving sensory input into Coco Talk. Only the bravest souls enter. Only the most cunning return. Defeat innumerable monsters to ransom the king's scepter stolen by the evil wizard. Your sword, shield, and wits are your only allies. Pray you find a magical inn as your only respite in the forest of doom. For the tiny color computer one, two, and three. November 2017, if you dare. What's going on, everybody? Stevie Stroh, and I want to say thank you for continuing to watch and listen to Coco Talk. We love doing this show. We think we put together a pretty good show for you, but this show could be better with your help. So if you would like to send a feedback, a comment, a suggestion, a show topic, or maybe even your own little segment or bumper, then send it to us via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. This show would be nothing without you. Love to hear from you. Every day, a color computer is abandoned or abused. They live in the dark recesses of garages, basements, storage sheds, barns, and attics, waiting for someone to help. Hi, I'm Helen Bleedingheart. Please say you'll be the answer for Coco suffering the effects of extreme temperature overexposure to ultraviolet light, and conditions unfit for electronics. These Cocos need your help. Please call 888 Okay, we can come back after this, I guess. Or go online and join the Color Computer Preservation Society. Yeah, this thing is longer than Methuselah. Right now. <laughs> for just $18 a month, you can rescue Cocos from their abusive environments, provide repair of damaged parts, Administer retro bright treatments, and most of all, provide love. 
call or sign up online in the next 30 minutes and we'll send you a photo of a cocoa being lovingly reconditioned by the CCPS. And you'll receive this beautiful tote bag that declares, I saved a cocoa, yours for your generous perpetual monthly gift. This is your chance to say, I won't sit by while a cocoa is wasting away. Please, won't you call or go online right now? I'm not saying that's a cocoa project, but it could be. <laughs> well, it yeah. wasn't too long ago. Alan created the Cocoa Preservation Society. Oh, huh. that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. So it's nice to see it back. Yeah. Hey, Rick Adams, how are you? Hello. Uh, so did I miss anything? <laughs> <laughs> not at all. No, no. Yeah, what have I, what have you guys been talking about for two hours? Yeah. <laughs> I see somebody's running bomb threat. That's always yeah. nice. Yes, yes. So what's new with you, Rick? I uh, just uh, getting my table ready for Cocoa Fest. Uh, I had to solve a couple of problems. Uh, I was putting a routine in Shanghai to where if you uh, hit the brake key, it would uh, hard boot to uh, RSDOS. Uh, so it could go back to a menu. I have a menu of like uh, four games. Okay. And uh, so Shanghai was the one that, you know, I put the routine in and it just, you'd, you'd hit the brake key to go to RSDOS and it would crash. So there was some register <laughs> I wasn't setting back just exactly right. So I think I finally got that working. Cool. Cool. And then I had to, uh, uh, I made Shanghai so that it came up with a default of uh, uh, RGB mode because uh, I have an RGB monitor and and uh, I did the same thing with Temple of Rom. So I have source for all these games now and I can actually build them. So That's neat. I, I was able to do that. And I can go through and change the, you know, the copyright message to say, you know, uh, copyright uh, dandy corporation, uh, no rights deserved. You can actually put the full dragon into Shanghai too, since you won't be restricted to the cartridge size. That is true, as it was originally intended. Right. But I'll uh, I'll never see the dragon with uh, with my joystick because it's so. Uh, I got this one joystick. It's a black joystick, and there's something wrong with it. It keeps going to the lower right corner and staying there, and so I've never been able to win uh, Shanghai once. So, well, I think I Steve uses the same excuse playing Popstar. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Blame the equipment. Blame the equipment. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm sure you can get well, a new one. Help that I do the, I do the, uh, uh, the, the random game where some of the games are not winnable. So I actually, on two games, I actually have gotten far enough that I've gotten stuck and I can't, you know, there are no more, you know, no more free tiles. So I'm done. Hmm. I'm sure there'll be some replacement joysticks plus with the joystick adapters like we were discussing earlier on the show. That's one of the first on. things I'm going to pick up. That's for sure. Yeah. Because this one's got to go. We, uh, yeah, there's a new product uh, by Boyson Tech. It's called the Boyson Thingamajiggy. And uh, <laughs> it'll, let you plug your, uh, it'll let you plug your doohickey into your thingamawats and, um, and live happily ever after. So it's a great product. Mm -hmm. Available wherever thingamajiggies are sold. So, um, 
Yeah, it's yeah. a thingamajiggy thingamajiggy store, and <laughs> but can you hook up your your who's it, what's it? Yeah. Yes, absolutely, hundred percent compatible. Hey, let's not there get into you. feature creep now, okay? <laughs> also, uh, Jason's brother Ken has a good suggestion of a game there in the YouTube chat. We should make a game where you search for old electronic equipment in a giant old garage. Call it Temple of Ron. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. I like it. That's the good. Temple of Ron. Oh. <laughs> and Bruce Moore asked a question too. Since you're working on updating some of your games and like RGB conversions and stuff, he's saying, can we get a big update of all your games as one package? The uh, the Rick Adams, uh, you know, extraordinaire package. Kind of like Nick's. Well, uh, what he did with Popstar. Well, I don't really yeah. have rights to all of them, so let's see. Oh, yeah, like Temple Shanghai. of Rom, I can, I can do something with. Shanghai is not mine. Okay. So I can't do much with that. Popstar is mine. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So Shanghai is is off limits. Okay. But Temple of Rom and and Bomb Threat and uh, my new game that I may or may not come up out with sometime. Sometime. Uh, yeah, we can do uh, we can do things with that. Neat. Very very cool. Well, we're definitely looking forward to seeing you again at Coco Fest this year. It's going to yep. be a treat. Uh, I just a live coding table. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm not really, I'm probably not going to get very much done with that because I'll be way too distracted. And Bruce has a suggestion. He says, change the name to Shang Lo. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Completely different game. It's a clone now, right? And <laughs> just change. Yeah. The names were right. changed. Shang Lo. <laughs> the names were changed to prevent the lawsuit. <laughs> if you really want to change it, just call it that tile game. Yeah. Call it Mahjong. Yeah, because that's not a copyrightable name. Yeah, Yeah. right. Just change your art too, and you're you're done. Yeah. Oh, we've got the art changed already. We've got two alternative tile sets on the Nitrous Nine version that are totally different than the original. So, okay, good. Mm. Everybody's wanting me to to uh, buff up uh, Temple of Rom. I'm not exactly sure what I could do with it though, but it is it's a wonderful idea. I just haven't. Thought of something yet? Well, isn't well, you somebody garage? Isn't somebody oh. already doing the 3D version of it? Oh yeah. Yep, he, he's taken off in that direction, and I don't really know how to do 3D, so at least not not at that level. So I believe it involves adding an extra D. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited uh, to be able to build Temple of Rom from Source again, though. Yeah. Yeah, that's neat. Was that I William never... Astle that helped you with that? Yeah. Yeah. Now, when that stuff gets um, decoded, there is no comments left, right? The comments never make their way to what gets compiled. Right. No. Right. Correct. So we do have comments, but they're comments that uh, William and I have put in there. Okay. And depending on what assembler you use, uh, there may not have been room to put that many comments in because you need that for the source code itself. Itself, mm, right? Yeah. Though I do remember there were some smaller programs that Ed Tasm produced that actually some of the comments did make it into the actual executable. Like a little chunk of code would be right at the end or something. So I don't know if that was a bug they had in Ed Tasm or what. But I, I've uh, seen a few like a bug to me. Mm-hmm. Like the Who's tail banging end of on their keyboard? Like, <laughs> <laughs> the cat it's did keyboard it. cat. 
That was the key. That was the Coco Cat, right? So. All right. Well, let's uh, let's look at a couple of interesting news items that have come up, and then we'll take a look at if anything new and exciting has happened at the um, at the Glenside website. Um, so this was kind of interesting, right? So there's kind of this long going um, dispute. Now, did this actually get sold? Oh, the listing has ended. So this is the um, program pack um, case, right? Now, the the kind of running joke for this has been, because this has been mentioned on the Coco Crew podcast many times, and it seems like between John Linville and uh, Vincent Tran, um, nobody can seem to get these because they seem to buy them up all the time. So um, it's almost like the race for the finish of who can get the most of these. Now, this person it's was like watching Alan Huffman at a... Yeah, at an auction. auction, right? So this one was being listed for eighty nine ninety nine, which I think is oh. a little bit expensive. Wow, you know, that is high. Um, That's a lot it, expensive. It's in a halfway decent condition, but yeah, I don't think this is a ninety dollar relic. You know, uh, my opinion. Uh, but if it's something that you want, you know, and it's uh, you, you got to have it in your collection. You know, the value is in the eye of the collector. So for me, yeah, that's that's a little bit too much money. I don't have David Ladd money, right? So um, <laughs> another one, which I thought was kind of cool, and I, I don't know if we and we have Simon with us right now. So is Simon still here? The Madman still here? He left. He we left. He said okay, he had to get up early. All right. Well, so Simon Jonasson had originally created uh, a, a web-based application called SG Edit that would let you generate. Coco-style graphics on your 32 by 16 text screen, and it had all the graphics symbols and all of the text symbols. Um, and so a friend of the show here, our UK friend Davey Jones. Is it Davey Jones? Davey, Davey Jones, Davey Mitchell. I'm having a brain freeze right now. Who helped? Uh, Davey, David Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah, why am I thinking Davey Jones? That's Davey Jones's locker. I don't know. So anyway, so Davey Mitchell um, <laughs> updated a little bit. Um, and, and so now Carlos Camacho started designing some mock-up screens. Like this is a Mario screen. Here's your little, you know, um, breakable box and stuff. So he started designing a couple of screens here. There's the, uh, the boss on uh, Mario. Here's a joust screen. Uh, Davy Jones of the monkeys <laughs> is what Ken is saying here, right? So, um, and it's amazing. You could, if you if you squint your eyes and turn your head sideways and hit yourself in the back of the head with a frying pan, you could say, oh, "My God. God, that looks just like Joust." You know? I mean, it's a, it's amazing what you can do with you know sixteen pixels. <laughs> now, one thing I would like them to, like to see them do is expand this to support the Coco VJ sixty four by thirty two because then you get one twenty eight. There you go. Right. By 64 graphics of the same thing. And then you, you actually get some pretty decent looking stuff. Yeah. But no, this actually does look like Jess, right? You got the little birds. There's your um, your lance. Here's the landing zones here on the islands. There's your landing zone there. Here's some flames coming out of the lava. You can totally get that this is Jess. And it's, it's actually quite impressive what you can do with resolution this low, you know? So. Yeah, yeah. But the, as Nick would agree with me, uh, we never did a game in semi-graphics. Closest I came to using semi-graphics was Audio Spectrum Analyzer. It's a little slow for updating, and what you can have for each of the dots as far as color, uh, you got six dots together, and they all got to be the same color. Yeah, yeah, that kind of sucks. Yeah. Now, this, this picture here I thought was kind of cool. This 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 1970s-looking Motorola guy. You know, he's got the big wide lapels and the, the tie and the hairdo. Like, this is Motorola equipment here, you know? It's like wraparound sound and 
sidetrack eight track player and turns your AM car radio into an AM FM and gives you the works, right? So I mean just just to show you where Motorola's origins came from, you know. <laughs> you had the lounge guy here in their ad. So I thought that was very period interesting, you know, to look at some of this Motorola tech. That's Leisure uh, Suit Larry's father, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh that is really it cool. It could be. <laughs> now, now here's an interesting one. We have Rick Adams with us right now. Hopefully this has been shank sanctioned by Rick Adams, but we actually have a bunch of bomb threat cartridges being produced for Cocoa Fest. Yes, uh, those are legit. I, I think I know the guy who did that. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the so, bug-fixed version, right? Yeah. And they have the latest yes. update on them? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And this actually looks really good. This is a perfect. Um, this is a perfect <coughs> use for this ROM cartridge, um, and the label looks good. Your son designed the label to look like a period correct game. Yep. Uh, Joel yep. Adams. What board <laughs> is being used in the cartridge? Any what, idea, Rick? What board? What, what board uh, is I don't being, know. I'm just wondering: is he using the Game Master cartridge in there? Uh, no. No, right. I was just wondering because it'd be a, a bit of a waste of a sound chip, wouldn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's the same. This is this is the retro tinker thing, right? So this is John Linville's yeah. cir circuit board and ROM cartridge and cheap Canadian labor to uh, put it together. Yep. Um, yeah. So it would be fun to do it with the Game Master cartridge, but I didn't do that. Yeah. Yeah, because well, I thought that would be good because you could have the game there and, and the Game Master cartridge. You, you could disable the game and have a sound card as well. Why would now, you want Rick, to disable his Rick? game? <laughs> no, no. I mean, you can plug the game in and play yeah. the game, but yeah. at the same time, you could access the sound chip to have it and use it, therefore, as a sound card. Uh, that gets a, more of the cards out there, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, but, Rick, uh, on this version, you did pass around for testing, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well. As long so, as you didn't use Stevie for testing, <laughs> he can't get very far. Right. <laughs> the running gag. Um, what do you mean yeah, gag? Yeah, no, it, it looks good. It looks really <laughs> it's good. gag, it's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to say, as much as not everybody is a fan of the cartridge, I'm a big fan of the cartridge. Um and I'm glad to see Rick's game on a cartridge because his first two games were on cartridge. So this being his next, you know, product release, the fact that it's on a cartridge to me, it just feels right. You know, um, I think it's exciting that we live in a time where we can do it. You don't have to do it. It's an option. And I like that this mm -hmm. option exists. Um, and I think that looks really good. So good stuff. There. So are we making uh, are we making 23 and that's it? Well, listen, you should. Uh, uh, isn't your distribution house communicating with you? <laughs> uh, oh, they're out there somewhere. It's, it's kind of tough to understand the Canadian accent, eh? So, yeah. Um, I'll be buying one of those, by the way. Right. Good stuff. Good stuff. The last so, batch. Uh, the last batch. Three of them went to me. Uh, yeah. One for me, and uh, one for each of my two sons. So this this time, uh, I won't be getting any of them, which is fine. And, uh, you know, so there'll be three more for, you know, people to, to get. Now, if we have the old one, can we return those for the new uh, bug-free one? 
Uh, that's not up to me. <laughs> that, send those to Jim Brain. That's, yeah, that's a Jim Brain question. <laughs> I'm that's guessing a, the answer is no. That's the collector's edition. That's the special right. collector's edition. That's it. It's like a Pac-Man crash screen. It's yeah, it's, it's the kill screen. Yeah. So right. the, this one I thought was pretty interesting, too. I just came across this one today. So uh, this was posted by Jamie Risenborough, who I'm not as familiar with in, um, in the group just yet. But he somehow managed to hack something on his Coco to output to like an old Casio-style keyboard and play some music on it. So the title is called Doing Useless Things with My ROM Pack Interface. So take a look and a listen at this here. that's pretty cool you could even see the um you could even see the keys light up on that particular one so somehow midi connection why does that make me think of linus oh yeah it did sound kind of like linus from uh charlie brown yeah from charlie brown so yeah was that a a midi interface was it I'm not sure. I'm not sure what he had on there, but it was somehow connected to some type of look like a uh, look like a Grant Leedy wiring design there. Um, <laughs> Might have been just pressing the key switches. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like a uh, player piano, as Bruce Morris calling it. So I thought that was kind of cool. So uh, yeah, I'm not on the uh, mailing list anymore. But is anything else newsworthy I missed that wasn't on Facebook that you guys came across this week? The only thing I think you should mention, uh, just for a, a public service announcement for some people who are going to attend the assembly, the new dates. Well, how about we do this? How about we pull up? Um, I'm going to pull up the Glenside site, and I'll pull up TandyAssembly.com. How about we do this? Why don't we not worry about Tandy Assembly until after Cocoa Fest? We have three weeks until Cocoa Fest. Tandy Assembly is six months away. <laughs> well, the only reason I was saying Seven. that, just in case people are making reservations. Well, I guess they haven't put the hotel out yet. So, yeah, you're right. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, but they may make plans to you know, get time off and stuff like that. So, Well, let's, let's pull it up. Let's pull up yeah. Tandy Assembly. Yeah, because we're looking at November now. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's two yeah. weeks before Thanksgiving. Okay. I think they're shooting for Veterans Weekend. Okay, so according to TandyAssembly.com, now Tandy Assembly 2018 has been moved to November 10th and 11th um, in Springfield, Ohio. Updates will show up here as the plan progresses. So, yeah, November 10th and 11th. Good call there, Grant. Um so Bruce Moore says that somebody's bringing a projector to play games. So the Coco Game Contest might go through a projector. That'd be kind of cool. Um, so yeah. So as you're making your reservations for your retro retreats, <clears throat> let make sure you have Tandy Assembly on the list there, November 10th and 11th. And so now, the reason why Coco Talk got started was Coco Fest last year. So let's see what's new and exciting for Coco Fest. And uh, I guess we can start by the attending list. Uh, Rick C. Adams, William Astle, Richard Blair. Yep. Last time I counted, there were over 60 names on this list. This list looks like it's gotten a little longer. And those are just confirmed ones. Um, it's looking like the events. And so here we will see. Okay, so Friday you're actually able to set up. So Friday at 7.30 p.m., you could set up your exhibit ahead of time. And I'll be in early enough to possibly do that. Um, 
Sunday morning at 7 a.m. You can also set up 9 a.m. show opening with Shu, the music man. I like the booth tour. I really do like that we're having a booth tour this year. Lightning talks will be interesting. Okay, Coco Man says, got to run. Take care, Jason, the Coco Man. Um, then we've got our lunch. We've got John Strong. We've got Steve Bjork. We've got awards. We've got the auction, which is really the kind of, you know, the, one of the highlights of the event. The on-site dinner has been great three years in a row now, this on-site dinner. Coco Trivia has been a lot of fun. Coco Chit Chat and Hangout Time. Music Jam will be here. Sunday opening, uh, show opening for a national anthem by the Music Man. Jamie Cho, I'm actually looking forward to seeing some of this here between Seamock, uh, Docker, and Dino Sprite. Wasn't that J.J. Uh, Walker? Dino Sprite! Wasn't that a good times guy? So um, then we got the Coco Crew podcast live. Uh, not saying it's Coco project, but it could be. Uh, we have the Sunday auction, and we're closing up. And then, of course, and so here it is. Somebody asked a question last week. What is the touch the heron thing? Here we see Ben Anding touching the heron. This is the big giant heron statue. It's called the Heron Point Center or something like that. That's where Coco Fest uh, takes place. So make sure you touch the heron. So where and do we rub David's tummy at? <laughs> no, no, no. Buff his head. Buff, buff his, his head. head. That's the latest one is yep. buffing David's head. So I'm bringing a can of turtle wax. Rub right. the Buddha. <laughs> I hear if you rub his head right, you can see the future in it. <laughs> That's what inspired Coco Forever. I think Bruce touched it last year. Yeah, right. So we have celebrity Rick Adams will be there. Podcast media. I noticed that we have uh, so celebrity Rick pattern. Adams, but I don't see celebrity uh, Steve Bjork there. That doesn't seem fun, I right? haven't put my bio in because I haven't been able to come up with something that I like. Uh, Bruce, okay. Bruce said that Bruce said that Zaxxon guy would be the. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say that too. That guy, the real Zaxxon. <laughs> Zaxxon guy. Group <laughs> games, did stuff. <laughs> uh, Boy, Boyce and Tech has been generously referred to as a vendor. That was bad. <laughs> not a vendor, but it could be. Right. Brian Schubring, our music man, Boise Pete's Call for Papers. Actually, I think it's called Scream for Papers at this point. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's what he said, because I don't think anybody had done it. <laughs> Mark Marlette is going to be a vendor here. Coco VGA, Color Computer Store. Bruce Moore, Fuzix, Chris Hawk yeah. and Hawksoft. John Mark Mobley. John W. Linville. Good friend William Astle is here. Lost Wizard Enterprises. Mark D. Overholzer. Milo. Yeah. Neil Blanchard, Nitrous 9 Ease of Use Project. There's the banner. Look at that. Ease of use, everybody. Ease of use. Yes. Thanks, Retro Steve. Innovations. Yeah. Um, Richard Chrislip will be there. Wrightveld and Wrightveld will be there. Sub Ether Software. So, yeah. Good stuff. Good times. Lots of things going on at Coco, uh, Coco Fest. We spent two and a half hours last week on our bonus episode just talking about Coco Fest and what we're looking forward to, what our predictions are, things like that. So um, that bonus episode will be available on the DVD that I'll have available uh, at Coco Fest as well as to our patrons. We have that two and a half hour bonus episode. Uh, and it was all about Coco Fest. We just kind of thought about it, reminisced. And I think the moral of the story was we're, we're, we're there. For, we know there's going to be a lot of cool hardware, et cetera, et cetera, but we're there for the camaraderie, right? So Coco Fest is about getting together, having a good time. Yep. All right. Have I missed anything? 
don't think so. And we Kirkup, there's some unannounced projects that have been hinted at from like Cloud9 and stuff, but we don't yes. know anything about them, so you can't really discuss them. Those were teased on the Coco Crew podcast that Cloud9 will have something. Uh, we did see on Facebook recently the um, extra memory boards that were being produced, the uh, 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 triad memory boards, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to remind everybody, it's just this weekend, so if you're thinking about uh, getting some retro swag, most of this artwork has all been uh, designed by Rick Adams' son, Joel M. Adams, Instagram artist, Joel M. Adams. Lots of cool custom designs. We should get Bomb Threat on here for a t-shirt, if Joel's up for that. Um, we have Popstar up here as a t-shirt. So yeah, so this weekend, uh, through Monday, you get free shipping using promo code F. S18. So if you're looking for some swag, uh, get some free shipping. And uh, there, there I said that. Uh, all right. So have we beat this one to death? No, we're just starting. No. <laughs> There's still a little bit of life left in this show. We got at least an hour I, to the outro, right? Yeah. I no have right. one item. Okay, go ahead, James. Different uh, um, I uh, sat down last night and early this morning and wrote up a uh, patch for ex- for the Color Computer 3 for its basic to speed it up. Oh, really? I have a couple things left to do on it, but the code is pretty much done. It's it's stri- uh, all the same problems off of the uh, the MC10 are on the, the Coco ROM, and uh, I just got to find where they stuck a couple things. So Okay. That should be rearing its ugly head soon. Now, because this is for the Coco 3 and Microware copied everything into RAM, does that mean you'll be able to patch it all and we don't have to worry about... uh, I will be able to patch it all. And um, I could do the same thing on the Coco, but the double speed that you get from running out of ROM uh, makes it faster than than the hardware multiply. So it's not really much point in in, uh, in messing with that yet. If, if someone were to create a cartridge that lets you replace the ROMs with RAM in the cartridge area, then that would be another matter. Also, couldn't you dump the ROMs and then patch them and then write them back to a new chip? Well, there's a little problem with that. The hardware multiply code is about... Um, 40 bytes too big to fit in the space of the old looping uh, multiply, mm. and I would ha- either I would have to redo it uh, in a different mm. way. Um, I I can look at that in the future, but for now, this is the code is almost straight off the MP10. I just changed new uh, stack relative addressing to for temporary variables and a few things like that. Uh, it won't be quite as fast as the MC10, but it will be way faster than the standard code. Who the hell is beating away on this damn keyboard? Rick? Is that you? <laughs> I think it may be me. Okay, I'm hanging up on is all the wrong people here. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out where the sound's coming from, and the phone is not mute, so I'm randomly hanging up on people until I can find the source of the sound. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I was going to say, I had my mic muted. Ah, sorry about me. that. So, did, so um, did it just start? I mean, stop, I mean? Yes, yeah, it, it just stopped. stopped. Yeah, it stopped okay. when you stopped. Okay, so it's probably <laughs> me. That, that's what you get for having one of those IBM keyboards. 
Yeah. Yeah. Ronda yeah. Vo in the live chat says, today is my wife's birthday, so I had to go short. Hey, thanks for being here, Ron. Happy birthday. Say hi to the Mrs. Horse. So, so what exactly does it speed up? Um, well, there's there's three things. Uh, number one, it replaces the, the, the floating point multiply with a uh, uh, using the hardware multiply. Which makes uh, that that 3D plot that's my in place of my face. It cuts that by about 30 percent the amount of time it takes to do that, and it, it speeds up a lot of other math intensive stuff. Um, I also have a patch for the con code that converts from ASCII or uh, to uh, floating point. It does a lot of division by um, the constant floating point value of 10. This is a, a patch I, I put on the MC10 uh, just a few days ago, and that added about a 3% speed up by itself to some of my tests. And the uh, there's a common routine called for parsing. Um, it's referred to as CareGet in most disassemblies. Uh, the, the one on the Coco did not show it as, as called that, but uh, it's self-modifying code that sits on the direct page, and normally it does all the parsing checking for um, what character um, it, it is, is read. It, it increments the pointer to the next address, reads the uh, character, tests it, and then returns a value, skips spaces, stuff like that. And um, both the Coco and the MC10, it does the reading, and then it jumps back to the ROM. And if it's a space, then the ROM jumps back to the RAM. And then it reads a character, and it jumps back to the ROM, which you can see is kind of kind of a slow way to do things. And if there's room, if nothing else is stuck after that routine, I can place a few bytes of code that will take the most often um, executed um, or uh, most often parsed item, which is um, uh, tokens, and it will return directly to the caller uh, after f finding the token. Um, if I have enough room, I can fit the whole thing there, but I doubt that. It, it just depends on if the ROM uses that, and that's one of the things i got to track down. I haven't spent enough time on the Cocoa ROM to to see if anything uses that RAM yet. Um, that is good for several percent um, on a speed up um, if, it, if it's usable. So this should probably result in about a 5% speed up on just about everything and then mass stuff, eh, 20 to 30%. Wow. You should and combine them with it. John Kowalski's because he's done some patches with the 639 native mode and a couple of optimizations he did too based on that chip, and if you combine the two, that'd be a really nice speed-up. Yeah, then there's, uh, there's, there's uh, like the screen scroll and things like that that uh, uh, I sped up on the MC10 that, I ha that I'm not messing with because I don't have the room on the, on the uh, Coco. But um, if you have a 6809, we could also do patches for like screen scroll, clear screen. Um, there's all, if you look at my moves, website... If you look at my website, yeah, there's also patches for making it run um, more vertical lines and support for uh, 320 by 
225 or 640 by 225 scan lines as well. And they don't take up any extra memory. Well, I can post the link. Hang on. You can just have a look at it and see if it's worthwhile. It's okay. just a matter of I, I've got to try the stuff out, see if it breaks stuff, and and then once I've got a 6809 version, then I can worry about a 6309. Well, these cool patches that Nick's talking about are 6809. They don't require yeah. 6309. Okay. I'll put a link up so you can just go to the website later and have a look. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's neat, though. Thanks and for doing do. that. So this is something that's going to benefit people who write in BASIC. You've, you're basically making BASIC run faster. And this yeah. will be a program that you load before you load your program, or? Oh. Uh, it, 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 well, i got to see how long the patch is going to be. Um, it might be, uh, see, on one of the patches I did for the, the MC10, it works uh, with standard BASIC, and, you, and it just pokes it into a string variable uh, at the start of the program, and then once it's poked in there, you can remove the data lines and the, the stuff that does the poking, and then just call the code uh, when the program executes, and it'll automatically install the patch every time you run it. So if it's not too large, um, I should be able to do the same thing on the Cocoa. And then you can embed it right in a program that you want to speed up. This, this uh, is where the, the, the YouTube links for me, they get chopped off. I'm trying to click on whatever you put in the YouTube chat, and it doesn't open for me. Hmm. Okay. I, uh, I, just copied it. I just copied it from uh, Nick's one. Yeah, but I think YouTube, uh, YouTube kind of hacks off the end of a link if it's too long. And it's just um, that's a that's a, an abbreviated link. Um, they the actual they link shows. That. Yeah, the actual link on mine is showing up at the bottom, but it is a long link. Well, and it's got I, all the redirect and all that other crap in there. Yeah, but it's also got the event uh, chat. Yeah, it looks mm. like they're throwing something else on it. Mm. Let me see if I can. But when I click on it, I get a 404 page not found. Yeah, yeah. that's what I, I get too. too. Okay, hang on. See if this. So if I go to oh, it's, it's because of the YouTube redirecting. Oh, the YouTube redirecting is screwing it up. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, this one loads the the link I posted. This is the original Microcolor Basic versus the new one. So you get an idea of what kind of improvement it does on that, and that's a 0.89 megahertz. Where are you? Where are you? Can you play that? that? I, I posted it in the Skype. Okay. We'll try right now. Okay, so I should just bring it to the beginning right now. So we have, we have a picture on the left and a picture on the right right now. Now, the left is microcolor basic, and on the right is the optimized basic. Okay. Now, this is just a, this is a beta version, but it should give you an idea of what to, difference it is. Yeah, posting in the YouTube chat changes 
what the link is supposed to be. It's actually adding stuff to the end of the link. Yeah, okay. I can see that. Yeah, it's significantly faster. You know, so might be something that could be put into a like a cartridge or a flash. You know, one of these uh, loaded from SDC flash or um, Coco oh. flash or Coco PSG. Well, if I if I redo the basic, um, if there's no, if it's just for running a basic program and there's no calls to the ROM, then I can th throw this in a new um, as a new ROM, and you can load it in. But the Coco has so much software, you know, assembly language and whatever that, you know, it's it's bound to break something. All mm -hmm. I'm doing with this is I'm trying to load it in the RAM above where um, the Coco Three uses, and then it just intercepts the call to those little pieces of code with jumps to the patches. Um, for for the multiply and the ASCII conversion, and then the um, the parsing that's going to have to go on the direct page. And like I said, it's going to depend on whether that's in use already or not. If Basic doesn't use it, I can get away with it. If it does use it, then I can't. That's pretty cool, though. Like to see it. Yeah, and it and it didn't take long to write this one, you know. We're t we're talking about five hours, maybe six, and uh, most of that was looking around through the ROM. Now, those same routines called by the high res commands on the Coco Two, like um, you know, circle and that kind of thing. This does, this is just the floating point library in Color Basic. And yeah, but just a circle routine, for example, call that library. So I'm wondering if it would speed up just because it's using the same routine. Um, all the calculations, uh, anywhere it's doing floating point calculations, it's going to speed it up. The circle routine, I don't know if they use floating point or not. Okay. I, I have no circle this routine. This is an example, but I just was wondering if it would speed up some of the extended basic stuff if it's it, calling color basic separate <coughs> As long as it's color, calling color basic floating point math library and, and, it's like, and it uses the multiply, then it'll speed it up. Okay. Okay. Cool stuff. So when we talk about making the cocoa great again, it sounds like we're doing just that. <laughs> well, making the MC10 great again. Yeah. Well, the the MC10 is down to 105 after the the uh, ASCII conversion uh, on all's benchmark, and the cocoa should be down in the 42nd range or less i i, I think i don't i you know at double speed i hope it would be so that's 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 one of the fastest machines tested then neat and i'm actually working on optimizing basically nine so i'll have to do some more compares after that's that's done too yeah, um, I'll post the, the code to my blog as soon as I've run some tests on it. Um, some of the stuff won't apply because Basic Go9 probably already does some things fast. But uh, the way um, Microsoft did it, I, it, it's kind of a kind of a no-brainer speed up, really. Hmm. What is the what is the uh, link to your blog, James? 
Oh, hang on here. Is it is it an easy to remember and easy to communicate one, or is it? A- um, I don't memorize it. <laughs> okay, hang on. It is jdiffendaffer.blogspot.com. There, you heard it there, folks. J Diffendaffer, D I F F E N D A F F E R dot blogspot dot blogspot dot com. Say that ten times fast. Yes, J Diffendaffer at blogspot.com. Yes. <laughs> the end of my name comes in the middle. <laughs> Very cool. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. Yep. All right. Well, we're just shy of three hours here, so we've doubled last week's episode. This has been a double wide, to use a trailer park analogy. Tripled. Uh, <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Thanks, James. Is there uh, anything else to do, or have we beaten this one to death? I think it's, it's the, been flogged. I think it's the, hor- uh, the it's horse has got to be buried. Yes. So let's go back to who we've had in the live chat today and say hi to all of them. So Mark Overholzer, Paco Atakte, Drencor, Davey Mitchell, David Ladd, Disney Saints fan, Richard Larbieski, Bill Noble, James Jones, Steve Bjork, uh, Grant Leedy, Jim Gary. And Coco Man, and Terry Steen stopped by, and uh, D. Bruce Moore has been here. Tom C. has been here. Ken Ken Make It, brother of Coco Man, has been here. Um, Coco Man was in the live chat. Retro Innovations in the live chat. Um, we missed anybody? Dan Loyal in the live chat. Mark Farrell came in, said boo to us. Retro Innovations, <laughs> James Jones. I think we're good. I think we've gotten everybody. Okay. So for all of you, we we were up to like 27 people watching us live. I think we still got about 25 people watching us live right now. So thank you all. I uh, just want to remind you, if you want to support the show, if you want to find out about the show, it's cocotalk.live is the website. Email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live to give us feedback, suggestions. If you want to send us a segment that we can uh, put on for you, I'd love to get that too. Uh, Retro Swag Shop, free shipping this weekend. So if you go to 8bit256.com, use promo code FS18. Free shipping and all your retro merchandise. Um, Good stuff, good stuff. I want to thank everybody who's still in the panel with us now. Grant Leedy and Mark Overholzer and Nicholas Morentes and Curtis Boyle and Steve Bjork and Steve Batson and Rick Adams and James Diffendaffer, Richard Lorbieski of Boyson Technologies and David Ladd. Uh, earlier we had Simon Jonasson. Um, I, I, we had a handful of people. Coco Man was here. A few people have come and gone. So another great episode. I'll take a real quick moment too just to say hi to our sponsors one more time. So make sure you check out CocoVGA at CocoVGA.com, Boyson Technologies at B-O-Y-S-O-N-T-E-C-H.com, Retro Innovations at Go, the number four retro, or store.go4retro for all of your retro needs from the Commodore to the TI to the Coco. I'm a Coconut.com for all your Color Computer Link's needs. Coco Talk can be found at CocoTalk.live, Retro Swag at 8Bit256.com. There you have it. So episode 52. This is our Easter's Eve um, episode. And I want to hope, hope you guys all have a great holiday tomorrow. And I hope the Easter Bunny's good to you. All that good stuff. Also, April Fool's tomorrow. 
So if you celebrate April's Fools, I'm not here to, uh, you know, to get religious with you. But if you believe in April Fools, then, you know, have a great April Fools, too. All right, guys. Uh, you guys want to say goodbye to everybody at home? Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. 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 Thanks for Bye. watching. Farewell. See ya. Goodbye. All right. And so here we Later, go. everyone. Four hours of outro begins Hope in we three. we didn't <laughs> put anyone to sleep. Two. <laughs> one. <laughs> Thank you for watching Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. If you love the color computer like we do, then visit imacoconut.com for all your color computer needs. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, then visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash OGSteviestrow. Coco Talk would not exist without the community and its cast and crew. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Rick Adams, Rom Delvaux, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Nick Morentis, Karen Anscombe, <laughs> Simon Jonasson, Wayne Campbell, Steve Batson, Brian Joyce, John Strong, and Barry Nelson. Special thanks to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and Brian Joyce for our Best of 2017 episode. Please help support the Coco community by visiting some of its contributors. The Coco Crew Podcast at cococrew.org. Glenside Color Computer Club, host of Coco Fest at glensideccc.com. Jim Brain and Retro Innovations at go, the number four, retro.com. Tandy Assembly at tandyassembly.com. Cloud9 Technologies at cloud, the number nine, tech.com. Boyson Technologies at B-O-Y-S-O-N, tech.com. All right, so here's the, here's the mid-roll credit. Um bonus section here so yeah <laughs> so jim brain says that if we got rid of the announcer on this that these credits would be halfway decent <laughs> so well one... <laughs> then maybe i should start doing it then stevie <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that we didn't even talk about and no spoiler alerts here but ready player one has debuted and some of us on coco talk have seen it and so without giving away anything, um, would we say it is a C or not C movie? Definitely C. Definitely C. I know Coco Man saw it. He's not here with us now. He said he liked it. Um, I would say see it. Um, the only spoiler that I will say, which I think is public knowledge, is that the Coco is not in it. Um, but it's still good. I liked it. Um, the Rio Shack made it in with their Tandy 1000. Well, listen, we're not trying to give away spoilers here. Hello. Um, I will say that Steve Bjork posted up a link talking to the author, Eric Klein. Yeah. Where he actually does go through some of the Cocoa stuff that was in the actual book. Dungeons Dagrath, um, okay. Bedlam, and Pyramid, and Rakitu, too. So. Oh, neat. Neat. Good stuff. So, yeah, if you have time this weekend, uh, in between celebrating... Uh, in between celebrating April Fools and Easter, make sure you find time to go see Ready Player One in a theater near you. Steve, have you seen Ready Player One yet? No, not yet. Okay. Oh but man. Grant Leedy and I both give it a thumbs up, so we say go see it. It's definitely worth seeing. Um, 
And yeah, so we're just uh, Luke's father. What is this? And <laughs> Richard said, "Here's a spoiler: Darth is Luke's father." <laughs> no! <laughs> All right, so that's the mid-credit uh, roll intro. But uh, fear not, we've got post-credits for you too. So uh, we'll be back after. I think you need a rap song in here too. You, you know what? We will. We're going to get one just. And for we also Richard. need the David Lab blowing up thing too today. We haven't done that. <laughs> Well, hey, spoiler alert, that's going to be a post-credit thing. All right. So, um, yeah, Coco Man says go see it on discount day. Okay. So back to the credits. Another two hours. We'll be back in about two hours. Hold on. (laughs) Oh. The Coco Top theme song is by Bruce Moore and Greg Shilar. Mix master and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Copyright 2008. Dale Lear. Rick Adams. Curtis Boyle. David Ladd. Fuck that hat. <laughs> Grand <Grandpa. laughs> Mark D. Overholzer. Bill Noble. Here's the high note. Yeah! Karen Anscombe. What's his face? Coco VGA guy, Brendan Donahue. almost at three hours all right so for a special post credit scene for your viewing pleasure now what you're going to see is the latest creation of what would david ladd do this one was brought to us by brian <laughs> joyce in australia and it's a oh good word <laughs> esp 8266-01 rs232 ttl wi-fi network four pin din fitbanger db9 pc ip drive wire drive wire drive wire (laughs) that's still the best one that works (laughs) that one is good that one is good what would we do without david ladd well our heads would probably not explode (laughs) they'd be shiny but they wouldn't explode All right, so we have uh, we have beat this one for three hours now officially. So thank you guys for watching in the live stream. Uh, as always, Disney Saints fan says that one is the best. <laughs> Retro innovation says the best part of an otherwise dismal show. Thank you, Jim Brain. All right, you know, he keeps coming back week after week. You know, just, <laughs> and this time he came pleasure. back just for the end credits. <laughs> yeah, well, I believe he's called a glutton for punishment. He's he's yeah. he's like that guy up in the in the seats in the Muppet Show, you know. Yeah, the, yeah. Old, yeah. Yep. Astoria. the two old guys. Yeah, yep. yeah, I'm right Waldo, next to Waldo right. from Astoria, right? And I do want to say, uh, Richard, uh, your joystick adapter is quality product. It looks good. It works good. Thanks for sending me one. 
and uh, everybody get yourself one of these thingamajiggy whatsamahatsits. Uh, oh, I got a name for it, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you know next week. Okay. <laughs> Your name for it is, it's too cheap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, two of them for 20 I mean, that's that's too cheap. The boys yeah. and cheeps. Boys and cheap yeah. stick or something. Boys and cheap stick. Cheap stick. The dip stick. Yeah, Coco Man also in the live chat says, Yes, they are awesome. Thanks again. So I think good. you should quote him. Use it in the advertising literature. Cheap stick. All right, guys. Coco Talk episode fifty two is officially off the air. Thank you and bye bye. Bye y'all. Bye. Not for a nine-hour post show.